Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer, we can do this. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 100 of Beer Not Shit, the podcast adjunct series. The 100th episode of the adjunct. It's kind of crazy, man. Like, obviously, we've done a lot more than 100 episodes. We had the first series, and then we sort of changed up into different seasons. And then this was kind of like just when we started a couple of years ago when we went virtual. We we're like, all right, well, what are we going to do? We made this adjunct the anything series. So that's why we just keep doing virtual pods all over the place. And uh, 100 episodes, kind of crazy. Um, but the great thing about this one, this is uh, going to be the first time we're actually talking to someone from the independent bottle shops in Ontario, which has been a movement that we've spoken about here, not really at length that I've wanted to go into, but we finally get to tonight so we can learn about uh, exactly how it came about, what the deal is, how it all works. I am stoked. So guys, please welcome Zach and Justin of Toronto Brewing in the building. There they are. What's going on, boys? Thank you for hanging out, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Appreciate y'all. So for the record, I have known, Zach and I have known each other sort of briefly, I want to say since 20, hang on. No, my friend Scott, who used to be my co-host, we bought the stuff from you in 2011. It was like way back in the day. And we wow. used to, yeah, that was when he got the introductory kit with the buckets, the hose, the siphon, the uh, all the all the stuff, um, and the initial is it called Brewer's Best kits? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we got the Brewer's Best kits from there. Then, uh, wow, we, yeah, man, that was a long time ago. That was when we first first got into beer quite properly. Moved on. He made a little what do you call it? Um, why am I having a mash time out of a cooler? We moved into all grain, so we would come past, and you had the little um, the drill that plugged in, so you could like drill the grain and stuff. It was uh, yeah, it was a good time, yeah. man. So we've always wanted to have you, and I think we talked about it in the past. And then now, obviously, moving into the bottle shop era, it's kind of uh, it's kind of perfect. And then Justin and I realized I don't know if we had ever met, but we have a ton of friends yeah. in common from uh, <laughs> where I used to work in Toronto. Like used to play at the same gigs that I used to attend and stuff. So super small world with. Yeah. Uh, with you both small world indeed it's a beautiful thing so we're going to get into all things uh bottle shop tonight and we're going to start off with a curation we're going to be drinking a curated set of beers that uh, you guys put together which is sick of all ontario products that you can get at toronto uh, brewing bottle shop and we're going to start with this little bad boy a little great lakes hydration which is a sick name or hydrator i know it's hydration hellas lager (laughs) 4.7 um, do you guys know much about this? Oh, it's a collab with Godspeed. Oh, sick. I didn't yeah. Fuck, good choice. Good choice. Yes. Yeah, so I felt like I needed funny. some hydration. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny thing about this one, uh, it came out of right after Third Moon did the, uh, the okay. collab with them okay. way back. Uh, about a week or two after that, Max from Godspeed posted a picture of uh, Bim and himself at uh, at Great Lakes, and I, I messaged the sales rep immediately and was like, "We need to get that in because we sold through the Third Moon one so fast." I imagine, and the idea of both of the idea of both of them doing it together was just like awesome. Um, uh, in the end, the the sales reps actually changed for our area, but I followed up just in time, 
And uh, so, which means this was lagering for like three months. That's amazing. Um, and uh, oh, it's fresh, yeah, it turns out we got, we, we were one of the only people outside of Great Lakes to get it. Um, but uh, there were only 15 cases across Ontario released to any licensees. Jesus Christ. So we were this is really a, psyched to get this. This is a beaut. Boys, cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers. This is a crusher. It's so good. Wow. Damn. Obviously, yeah, Godspeed to the goats for them to come in and do this. Do you guys know what they sort of were, were looking for here? It's a 4.7... Um, I guess like a, a pretty straightforward, nice. I mean, obviously all these type of beers. That's the point. Straightforward, very crushable, yep. wicked mouthfeel, nice like yep. nice cereal vibes. A little bit bitter. I noticed that Godspeed stuff typically is more on the bitter side on their crispies, obviously. Yeah. Um, like I guess For more sure. of a Czech, but this is a German style, so I was probably toned that down a little bit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely the more. the malt comes to the front on this yeah. one, but you can. I can still get a little bit of the the water profile from Godspeed. Like there's there's a touch in the the drying uh, mm. nature, like in the finish, I which reminds me a lot of Godspeed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great, great point. Very cool, man. Honestly, I didn't even see this one, so this is this is extra cool that uh, that was the deal. So um, I'm just gonna take a couple of uh, one word. No, I forgot to tell you guys. I do the little stupid selfie things, and I just take a couple one-word reviews uh, for it, so I can we'll keep talking. But I just want you to think I'm being rude looking down. Um, so first and foremost, whilst I'm I'm doing that, tell us about. I want to get both of your beer histories. How did you both get into craft beer to to end up at Toronto Brewing? So who, whoever would like to start, um, I guess I'll start. So. Yeah, started around 2011 for Toronto Brewing, but a few years before that, went to California and tried uh, Sierra Nevada and Anchor for the first time and really tried, you know, uh, my first taste of hops and bitterness after just drinking like Molson Canadian and Moosehead and stuff like that. And my mind was blown and I came back and I couldn't find it at the LCBO. So I found a recipe online and uh, the rest is history. Did you have a, this was your first time homebrewing at that time? You, when you were just, you discovered that, you're like, I need to make it? Yeah, I, uh, I connected with a couple friends about doing it. And we got a turkey fryer from Bass Pro Shops for $109. It was, uh, yeah, like an aluminum kettle with a uh, propane burner. And we got... We did a brew in a bag setup. We got like the grains and we crushed the malt and uh, we brewed like a Sierra Nevada Paleo clone and it was encouragingly close. And I knew right away I wanted to open up like a brewery or something like that. And I later went to the homebrewers conference that year, HomebrewCon. And I came back just uh, just totally psyched to do something. And uh, the scene was in its infancy, and I just started brewing up a storm. And by the end of the summer, I uh, opened up Toronto Brewing, just a little like homebrew supply store out of my the house that I was renting at the time. Yes, um, near like uh, it was like Bathurst and Eglinton, Granite. Type of thing? Mount Pleasant, Eglinton. Okay, dude, I remember that. We went to that to the house. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, I forgot about that. 
God damn. Yeah, it was just a house. My neighbors thought I was dealing drugs because people kept coming to my porch. <laughs> and leaving with green things in a bag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Jesus. Oh man! So, that's so, so as soon as I was walking Tucker, yeah, at the park, and people were like, "What do you do again for work?" It was time to get a real location, and then we got the Chestwood location, and then just uh, during COVID, we got the Geary location. Okay, and the Chestwood is the, I guess, the original uh, one, which is kind of up by uh, Downsview area-ish, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. Yep. Uh, near Downsview, uh, Chestwood Arena, right behind California Sandwiches. Perfect. For folks who don't know, so that um, did that store end up becoming a bottle shop as well, or was it just Geary's a bottle shop and that's not brew? Just Geary's a bottle shop. So um, over uh, over the course of the past two years kind of started looking for some new space or about two years ago and there was a spot open on Geary and it had a liquor license. So I thought it would be cool to have a second location, especially on Geary. Like it's such a cool street with blood brothers, Baldessare, just a great area, like super grateful to, uh, you know, just even see something on that street available because, uh, it's, it's so hard to get a spot there. And, uh, Decide to grab a lease there. Um, plot twist: it's it's kind of like a pop up. It's only a two year lease, okay. so it's actually up at the end of uh, at the end of this year. So uh, it was going to be a club. They were going to turn it into a club, and right. uh, then COVID happened, and they had to stop work in the middle of it. And it was like Blair Witch Project, like. HVAC coming down from the ceiling, no light, super dark, metal pieces everywhere. But uh, I was like, "This is perfect. This is this is perfect." And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, so it might be turned into a club one day again. But in the meantime, we've got it, and uh, we've put together like a pretty cool bottle shop, and also like a Toronto Brewing full homebrew supply store in there. Love it. That's amazing. I guess we'll come back to that and then sort of what you plan to do with it then. Uh, that's awesome. So Justin, how did you get into beer, bro? Oh man. I, I was trying to think about this earlier today and like what kind of a turning point from going from just crushing whatever PBR I could get my hands on in my early twenties um, to actually appreciating. And kind of what I came down to was just like a visit to uh, the Esplanade beer market when it was still really new. So this would have been like 2006 ish. Okay. And just like at that point, I mean, like we discussed, we knew each other kind of in a, a different, different life, different parties and so on. But uh, yeah, like at that point there was mill street and there was nickel Brook, the apple one that you discuss. Yes, yes. Those are the cheap beers at the bar, <laughs> but I really hadn't, I really hadn't uh, had a lot of experience with like solid European beers. So of course, they're the ones at the beer store, the LCBO. But um, I remember going to Esplanade Beer Market and getting a pint of Czech Var for the first time. Nice. Actually, sorry, I take that back. It was Staropromen. Ooh, okay. And. It was ultra fresh and it just like blew my mind. 
And then after that, I had a glass of Friuli, and I was like, oh, this is fun. Lovely. And that was like the only place to get Friuli at that point. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that really opened my eyes, and it was like, okay, European beer, like, let's go. Let's like try as many of them as possible. You know, go to the the beer store that was at Dufferin and Bloor. They were out of Star Province, so what are they going to recommend? And then it was Kozel, and then it was Chekvar, and then I got really into Grolsch for a long time. Um, so it was kind of at that point. Fast forward like a year, moved, and uh, was at another – I had a loft apartment that overlooked – Fort York, and that's when the Toronto Festival of Beer was going on at Fort York. Mm. And we didn't want to go, but we could hear all the music, see everything. So I threw a giant house party on the roof of this loft, <clears throat> Niagara and uh, Niagara and Bathurst, mm. overlooking it. And the rule was everyone had to bring six beers you've never seen before, throw them into a cooler, and you grabbed and you got what you got. So that, like, again, opened my eyes. We did two of those. Swore the roof was going to cave in at that place. <laughs> we kept setting off the alarm in the wood studio below us. Um, Love yeah. Then just got more and more and more. Uh, Bellwoods, my buddy lived across the street. We'd go there all the time. That was when all their beers were really bitter. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Remember that. But then he handed me a, yeah, he handed me a Jelly King and it like, it's like, I don't know if I like this, but three months later I was craving it again and again. And then Motley Crue, um, it's up there somewhere. Motley Crue 2017, I think. Well, that was the one, the passion for it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That Blew my that. mind. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I had the 750. <clears throat> my yeah. friend uh, came came to Bellwoods to meet me, and he's like, "Are you sure you wanted me to get this?" It was it was like twenty seven fifty bottle for yeah yeah yeah. And I went back and got two more because you didn't have Smart. to line up at that point. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, um, and that really opened my eyes. Uh, fast forward to when we moved out here. So I live in Hamilton now, um, and. Uh, my wife was like, five-year plan, let's open a brewery. And at that point, I was like, I, I've never brewed a beer in my life. <laughs> like, you want to open a brewery? Uh, I meet my neighbor. Turns out he'd been brewing, home brewing for eight years. Right. And uh, one day, <clears throat> yeah. One day, he showed up on my doorstep and was like, we're going to brew tonight. And we Love just it. brewed. That was... I guess four and a half years ago. Okay. Um, and that was like going deep down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Is that how you discovered Toronto? And, yeah. Quit yeah. my office job. Uh, yeah. I was a customer first. Um, even from out here, they had everything I needed. Love I could get bits and pieces locally, but, you know, I had to order online or drive in. I'd make excuses. I'd take the long way home. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's how I discovered it. Um, left my office job, worked for a brewery for a while, uh, for merit and then, uh, found myself to 
to Zach in Toronto. Love it. That's amazing. Did you start in the Chesswood location or did you go right to the bottle shop? I actually, I realized that yesterday was <clears> one <throat> year officially nice. that I've been, uh, been with the company. Look at that. Um, Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I started at Geary, uh, but uh, I flipped back and forth between the two locations. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. I love yeah. it. So that's great. So now setting up for the Geary, I mean, obviously the home brewing stuff, we can get more into that. I know this was intended to be more about uh, the bottle shop because, you know, I was just saying off air, I think one of the most under-celebrated things that have happened in the last two years is independent bottle shops in Ontario. I feel like as beer nerds, we've all been complaining forever. Like, you know, I live in obviously here in Quebec in Montreal and we have specialist beer stores everywhere. Um, and it's just the way that people get beer here on the flip side, up until the uh, last two years, you couldn't just walk into a, a brewery that had that served food. Like you couldn't go to Judas CL and leave there with their bottles. Like they just, they weren't allowed to do it. It's only yeah. if they did it, you know, it was like a, a, what's the license called? The one with the, like the warehouse, like whatever, production facility license, you could do that for other yeah. places. So that's kind of changed now, but there was, you know, I know I could go to any brewery in Ontario and leave there with their beers, but I would have also, if I didn't do that, I would have to go to the LCBO and then we all know the flaws. You know, it's definitely a lot better now, but there's a lot of flaws in that system. So the optimal situation that could have happened sure. in Ontario is exactly what you guys are, a an independent bottle shop curated by beer fans, being, you know, People who are in the industry, you guys are perfect. You know, Justin, you were working at breweries. Uh, Zach, you've been home brewing forever and really sort of ran that whole thing for more than a decade now. So I just think it's amazing um, that it even exists and that you're able to do it. So you mentioned that it has a liquor license. And from what I, I hadn't uh, had the chance to be to go there, but next trip into town this summer, I'm going to come by and, and check it out. But you guys can do pours because of that liquor license. Is yeah. that accurate? Oh yeah. Okay. We've got, <laughs> we've got uh, Vim and Vigor on Ooh. tap. We've had Just Sierra so. Nevada on tap. Oof. I think we're getting barley wine on tap as well. <laughs> Mate, that's a problem. Okay. So that's one thing. I don't know if you guys had seen it. I'd been to um, <clears throat> San Diego in like 2017 or something. And uh, I hadn't traveled much because I'm an immigrant and wasn't allowed to go for a long time. And when I went there, my my friend picked me up from the airport and took me right to a place called Bottlecraft. And it was essentially what it sounds like Toronto Brewing is. A bunch of fridges and some shelves with, you know, bottles and cans, everything. They had like a little shell, little like a deli section with artisanal cheeses and breads. And they had like 12 taps. So you could get a pour and just wander around the store, shop, fill up a bag. If you wanted to, they could pop one of the bottles and you pay a corking fee or whatever. And I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. That is exactly what you are then. Yeah. Um, Fuck yes. Actually, my first homebrewers conference was to San Diego, and there's a place called Ballast Point Homebrew Mart, and that's the true OG, mm. and they partnered with Chris White of White Labs, and they also have like a brewery in the back, homebrew shop in the front, wow. and that was one of the first stops that I went to when I went out to San Diego, and I'm like, this is amazing. This just makes sense, you know? Yeah. Beer, brew beer, drink beer. Yep. It's, it's so much. And buy beer, even better, so you can leave with some stuff. 
it's just like the perfect situation. Like as a consumer, it's it's like it's it's just it's perfect. Like you actually have like going to buy beer shouldn't be like going to the supermarket. Like it's an actual experience in and of itself, which is what you guys have yep. created. Man, it's fun. It is perfect. I agree. Oh man, I love that. So our, <laughs> our people, I know Canada's still a little bit more rulesy than say San Diego, but um, are, are people allowed to get a pour and kind of wander around and look through the, the fridges and shelves and stuff? Or is, is it you kind of have to drink in place and then finish the drink and then how does that work? Yeah. Most people typically like to enjoy the beer on the patio. Okay. Um, but if you wanted to, you could grab a beer and drink it wherever you want. Um, <laughs> we won't stop you. Wait. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, we've got a great little patio, little private patio, and um, about two, 3,000 square feet that you can just wander around and explore all these different homebrew supplies and uh, curiosities, all these different little things. And um, we've got the beer sorted by BJCP style, okay. Beer Judge Certification Program. So I think that's that's unique. Um, and I don't believe any other store or bottle shop does that. Um, so basically we categorize it by style. There are about two dozen different styles with, about, you know, half dozen sub styles like IPA with, you know, uh, pale ale, IPA, double IPA, triple IPA, barley wine, black IPA, whatever. And so on specialty IPA, but we categorize it so you can kind of be guided through the styles from lager to, wheat beer to stout and sour beer and so on and so forth. And then you can brew your own. And so we try to bring in, uh, not just like the latest, um, you know, hype, uh, triple IPA, but also just classic examples of the style anything from like, uh, you know, just a classic dab Dortmunder export to, uh, to the coolest releases at the LCBO or at the latest with the latest brewery. We just bring in anything that we know and love and we think will like enrich people's uh, experience when it comes to uh, drinking beer and brewing beer to style. That's so sick. I love it. I love it. Should we go to the next beer? Then I, I've got a ton more questions about this. Do the, uh, yeah, yeah there's, there's no rush. Like we, we can, you're good. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. I'm so, where are you guys at? I'm cool. It was more just to, to fit them in so we could finish at a reasonable time. But if you're if we're chilling, I'm good to take take a bit more time. I was just drinking this one fast. I always get excited on the first beer, and then oh, I think is Justin frozen. I think he's frozen. He might have to. I think that's just how he is. Sometimes <laughs> gets a bit stiff, old fella. Um, if he can hear Dude, Justin, I think he's mad. I think he's mad. I think he, are you mad at us? I thought He's we were giving friends. us the silent <laughs> Justin, if you can hear, just uh, you can just call back. Maybe I'll kick him out so you can just call back. This happens from time to time. I'll just yeah. kick him out. Makes it easier. So, who does the curation? So, is it between you and Justin, or are there other people? Like, like who does it, and then how? What's the approach? Yeah, I would say Justin's like really, really taking the reins on it. At first, I was just. Uh, you know, uh, doing it along with Chris Evans, who's now the brewer at Barvolo. Um, yeah, he was doing it originally and, uh, Justin is really taking the reins and 
Justin's like next level with uh, beer releases. He knows every single beer that's being released the day it's being released. So he's he's super passionate about it and uh, super knowledgeable. Very cool. Um, yeah, and um, we just stay abreast of the latest LCBO releases as well. Some are hard to find. You kind of LCBO is weird. You kind of have to go to a number of different LCBOs. Even in Toronto, when you have like a really big LCBO, it doesn't have all of the beer. So, oh, right. so if you, yeah, they do a really good job. But in general, if you go to a bunch of different LCBOs, you'll get like a really good beer selection, uh, just a different variety at each one. And so we kind of handpick all of the best ones. Like they have a lot of like really great Belgians um, that you wouldn't really know. But when we categorize it by style and we put them all together, you can kind of see how it all comes we should we have like reverence for the style and we kind of showcase them stylistically where at the LCBO it's just like on a shelf in the corner at the bottom and right. it's just like you know, this is Rocha 410 this is like one of the best beers in the world um, people should know about it. it should be at the top gotcha yeah that makes sense yeah. and I think it's dope sorry Justin we're just talking if it, if it- cuts out just dial back it's no problem this this app this is not uncommon it's all good it's part of the, everyone's used to it it's a world of virtual things shit happens it's all, it's all good we're talking about the curation and we're just talking about who does it and, and how yep. is the curation that you guys are doing i love that um you guys have to go to the go to the breweries individually i imagine but also go to the different lcbo's to bring in those um like the the dabs and all the different types of beer that maybe you wouldn't find in the independent bottle shops from, I've only really been to one so far in Hamilton. And um, I wasn't uh, like, you know, that one was specifically all, all local stuff and um, sort of very sort of niche as far as their, their approach to the styles and everything. Um, For you guys, it's cool that you've, like you have to go to the different LCBOs because you're automatically given this like really dope range that because you've gone out of your way to pick it up from all these different places, it, it, it brings out all home. So you sort of really have curated it in a much deeper level than just rocking up to the nearest LCBO and just being like, cool, just give me a bunch and that's it. And then stopping there. So I think that's, that's super important. I imagine that's really a big part of the attraction for your customers. For sure. For sure. It's also, it's also working with uh, with specific importers for those beers to get things that don't even hit the LCBO. Okay. Um, Zach had built this relationship uh, I, prior to my arrival, and a lot of the orders, I mean, are they take months to come in because they're private orders. Of course, they still have to go through the LCBO warehouse, but you know, it gives us access to a lot of things that are either hard to find, uh, like one of the next beers coming up uh, in the selects, um, or just not available. They're not listed by the LCBO. So right. you have to wait for them to get tested. You have to, they have to go through the whole process of getting Jeez. alcohol tested. I mean, the, the West Mall extras mm. that uh, we just got in, the LCBO had to cross out the uh, the alcohol content on every single bottle and relabel it because it might have been off by a, a point uh, in Jesus. the percentage. <laughs> That's so, so ridiculous. 
I mean, I get it. I, it's bureaucracy, but yeah. damn. It's a lot of work. A lot of pointless work, but okay. There's literally a fresh Sharpie on yeah. each bottle. Like <laughs> each one. Changing like that one to no one. They must have yeah, thousands yeah. coming in. Like, you know, I feel like the, the Trappist beers are pretty ubiquitous. Like, they, they're pretty much available everywhere. Well, maybe not like they used to be. I remember back in the day they were pretty good, but maybe not so much now, but still. Okay, that's wild annoying. So do you, for the ones where you get um, the beers from, say like Great Lakes, like because you, you yep. need the guys, you go directly to Great Lakes to pick up that beer specifically. Um, most of them we get delivered. Okay, uh, most of them we get delivered. So it's just about, you know, getting on them, placing the orders, making sure that uh, like it's going to fit in the mix. Like I, I probably put more thought personally into it than I, I need to. I like do it over the weekend. Any, I do it like at midnight and I just have a running list going of everything that I think would be great and I'm crossing it off and there's like a little checkbox beside it of whether, you know, that's going to be the ones that come in that week. Right. Um, but then in the case of like the third moon uh, anniversary or some other releases or, um, you know, being out here in Hamilton, I can get things sometimes a little bit quicker if I just do a quick loop. Um, you know, if I think it's going to have some sort of impact or, you know, having it a couple days earlier. For Third Moon, I knew uh, for their anniversary beers that we really wanted them there that day. If we wait for the delivery service that delivers their beer, it would have been two more days. Mm. Um so, you know, the, the odd time, uh, there's also uh, certain situations we, I, I don't want to deviate too much, but uh, we did a 24 beer uh, curated advent pack at Christmas nice. and, um, you know, happily it exceeded everyone's expectations and, and was a huge success, I think. Um, but in order to keep on top of it and make sure we were still pumping them out. It was like bit of a thing. Go like working till <laughs> eight and then driving to a brewery to pick up beer, to bring it home, to bring it back in the next mm. day, to keep packing boxes. There was no other way it could really work aside right. from that. So, but for the most part we wait on or, or asking for favors from like any of the amazing salespeople we work with on a regular basis that, you know, would go out of their way to drop off a few cases just so we can like make the next shipping day. That's get dope. those people in Sault Ste. Marie, their beers. Okay. So you guys can ship over too. the, yeah, I guess you guys, yeah. okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure about the, um, the legalities of that. Okay. So the beer stores can ship if you want to, you don't have to obviously, but you have that option. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And you chose to do it just because it's a, it's a cool revenue stream. And like you said, you can get this, you know, beer that you guys have already curated, mostly local stuff that the people up in Sudbury and Thunder Bay or whatever might not be able to get their hands on. So you can get it out to them at a reasonable cost. And it's all, I love that. For sure. Also, yeah. if it's someone's planning shop. to. Sorry, I was just going to say one stop shop for beer. Yeah. Love it. 
But also if someone's planning to brew a specific style and they're ordering all those ingredients, why not grab the epitome of that style? Like, you know, we had Saison DuPont for, for a long time. If you're brewing a Saison, why not grab what everyone bases their Saison? That's, you know, I, exactly an American pale ale, Sierra Nevada. Yeah. So it's, I think we also sell inspiration as well. <laughs> so that could be the episode name, selling inspiration. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, okay, sick. So as far as the curation, so the, the things that you choose, like what's the thinking behind the stock? You know, like obviously you could curate anything. There's a shit ton of beers in Ontario alone. You guys are, which I didn't really think about as an option, but of course is the LCBO, like you mentioned. Um, yes. And can you put my charger laptop? Thank you. Um, my girlfriend helps me out during the pods. It's a beautiful thing. The, I didn't plug my laptop in like an idiot. I don't know what I was thinking. The, um, uh, like not everyone would go to the LCBO to look at those additional options because that means therefore, perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, therefore there wouldn't be, you know, many places I would imagine that would have those, you know, European lagers, all those different things on top of the best of Ontario and, you know, some of the hype stuff, maybe some of the not so hype stuff. Like what's the, when you guys started this, what did you want to create? Like what, what was the sort of vision in mind for the, um, what you were going to provide to consumers? Yeah. So like I was uh, touching on before, arranging it by BJCP style so people can have world-class examples of each style and sub-style and then brew that type of beer at home. And like Justin was mentioning, you know, you can grab all your roasted barley and your Irish uh, ale yeast and then grab, you know, an Irish stout type of thing and then mm. see how it stacks up. So more come from the place of the homebrew being that your clientele are homebrewers who would very likely want to purchase a larger or wider range of styles, you know, maybe things that aren't as cool like an Irish red or something like that, that maybe aren't flying off the shelves, but the people who are buying your grains and yeast and hops and everything are highly likely to want those styles as well for that comparison sake, you know, maybe drink the style that you're making on Boudet or something like that. Exactly, and also grabbing all the beers that you know showcase different hops or different yeasts or different collaborations with like Barn Owl Malt or Escarpment Yeast or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, really just getting all the beers that we know and love and want to share to people because they're like dear to us and they matter to us in the way of like being inspired by the alcoholic beverage or to brew something similar. Hmm. I think it's like that's a fascinating approach though. Because I didn't consider that. Yeah, you say something. It's uh, def- yeah, definitely. Anytime uh, an opportunity like that comes up, like single hop beers, are an awesome study on that that hop type. Sure. So when someone's interested in, I mean, we just got in uh, Fairweather Sabro. It's nice. a great example because you know, and you're going to hate me for this, but it's like my least favorite hop. I, I really that. generally, yeah, it is very divisive. Yeah. Um, but that particular beer um, shows it in a different way. Like they had a delicate touch. So to me, it's, it's like white gummy bear with that, a touch of that coconut that you'd expect. And then like a touch of woodiness. 
and it finishes dry. So it just kind of shows another way that that hop can be used that it's not uh, regularly. It's usually people just like layer it or throw it on thick where, you know, it's a delicate touch that could do it. And that's their menagerie series. So we tend to bring in a lot of those because it can showcase it in a different way. Hmm. Uh, Chronicle had another great one that was, uh, it was called like Hulk smash and it was a hazy made with only Pilsner malts and mosaic. Hmm. Like you wouldn't think that would, I mean, homebrewers wouldn't think that would work, <laughs> but they managed to do it and do it well. And you know, it, it showed multiple, uh, multiple things you can do in, in experimentation. And I know that is like a big thing uh, for homebrewers as a whole. It's a big thing that Zach has been uh, preaching since day one, uh, like making one of one, making a beer that's like exclusively yours. Mm. And, you know, a brewery is making hundreds of those cans, but um, it's, it's still like that, that sense of uh, excitement you get from, experimentation trying something new or trying something new that someone else has done and pulled off and it's worked out hmm. um i think that like i come at purchasing that way as well um yeah okay i like that and then i think then zach what you meant by were you saying that you guys would maybe prioritize beers that use the same ingredients that people can buy in the store, such as buy now malts or the escarpment yeasts. Yep. So like you can, someone's about to buy this yeast and you're like, well, this, this beer right here was, was made with the exact same yeast. So you can actually try it, you know, on a professional scale yep. and see it. That's sick. Absolutely. That's super That's unique. Definitely. Yeah. Just this week, uh, Burdock released uh barn lager and it was barn owl malt, which the store carries. Uh, they didn't really go into much detail on anything else in that beer. Mm. I think they, in one of the write-ups, I read that they use Canadian hops as well, but um, I'm not 100% on that one. Okay. But, but still, uh, we all, yeah, exactly. This, it's perfect. Right? So people can see what the, what it's going to kind of, or could potentially taste like. Um, and they could even yep. sort of drink, drink that beer at the store whilst they're shopping for the ingredients to make that, like, yeah, this is perfect. It's exactly what I want to make. That's like, the vision. Dude, that's so that's cool. That's the vision. That's so fucking cool. Like, I never thought... Seriously. Yeah, I never thought of that as, like, a, it's, it's like a whole new concept. It's like taking the concept of the store and then just amplifying it to make it extra relevant, like hyper niche to your specific customer whilst also easily satiating any uh, discerning craft beer drinker or new craft beer drinker for that matter uh, in Toronto. I love it. I think that's just super smart. It's very I, I don't sure. know if I missed sure. it because it went when I was cutting out there, um, but I'm not sure if it was mentioned that our fridges are actually behind the counter as well. Okay. So when a lot of people come in, you know, they see all the beer behind the counter. We have six doors Six doors? Six doors, nine doors? Six doors, I think. Lots. Nine doors. Lots. <laughs> Six up front. Three in the Six back. Six up front. Yeah. Uh, so they come in, they see the fridges all across the front. Above that, 
the ranges of the BJCP styles, which, you know, for the average beer drinker might wonder what the heck that is. Um, but it, it also opens a conversation. So it allows us to kind of totally nerd out Mm. and, you know, guide them through the process and why the beers that are in there are in there. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's also really unique and it was a great choice by, by Zach to, to do that. Uh, when the store was opening right? because it just like opens up that conversation. So at the same time, someone's buying beer, if they want to learn something about that beer or about the process or how to make it themselves, we're there and we're ready. And, you know, we're, uh, we're yeah, game. Give that bit of extra sort of um, insight and, and, and sort of like guide them yeah. through it, regardless of if they know what they want or not. I, I wonder yeah. what the, like, what percentage of the clientele are coming in and be like, hey, like, I want to brew a Pilsner. Do you got any, like, Pilsners I could try to see? Like, what percentage do that or what percentage are just, like, coming in to just, oh, sick. It's, I've been to Blood Brothers. I can come down here and grab a bunch of other stuff to go. I had a friend from Vancouver who was at Blood Brothers, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and he was sending me photos. I'm like, well, bottle shop's just down the street. Go check it out. I think it was after <laughs> seven. I think you guys had closed. But I was like, you know. Uh worth heading by, but it was cool because it was the first time I, he just randomly messaged me photos from Blood Brothers. I was like, oh, you're in town. Okay, cool. Like, you should go there because you didn't really know where everything was. So I thought that was like a really cool real-time example of like, well, someone I know was there and it's the perfect sort of, you know, whether you go either way, whichever one first, but you're able to get, you know, get the brewery experience and get the sort of bar experience with the bottle shop kind of all in one in this one street. It's very, very cool. But yeah, like what, what percentage of people are like the brewers, home brewers trying to you know, learn or like figure something out versus the average consumer just trying to pick up some fire beers? What do you say, Justin? I'd say, you know, the majority of our customers, a lot of, a lot of our customers probably Sixty percent are homebrewers that are coming in to get their ingredients, mm-hmm. and they'll come up and they'll throw in some beers with that order. Um, actually, probably more like sixty-five. Um, yeah, yeah, they're they're grabbing uh, beers to go along with what they're doing, or they'll start a conversation, and it's an excellent opportunity to make some recommendations. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we're there to help them homebrew. We have the beer as well. Um, you know, why not tie the two together? Uh, at the same time, we we have had a lot of growth in, you know, people that come specifically to us because they know we have things that either no one else does or, um, you know, so that's that 30%, 40% or so that now come to us on the regular place orders for pickup on the regular, which they can do through our site um, or, or for shipping, you know, right. Again, they can do that. So that's great. So it's like the majority of the customers are those kind of uh, uh, the brewer, homebrew customers. So that explains really that dedication to that breadth of styles that, uh, you know, maybe if a store was mostly catering to what's popular, what's trending right now, they, you know, wouldn't make as much sense to be stuck in these things, but you guys really care. Okay, I love it. I don't know why. It's just fa- so fascinating to me. It just makes so much sense why you guys do that. Don't, well, get, us, 
don't get us wrong. We we still do have the, oh, the exciting hot. and trending stuff. Just not, just not slushies. Well, <laughs> a lot of them don't. Uh, you guys don't like them, or just because they don't ship. <laughs> Uh, we we don't yeah, stalk them since the slushy incident of 2020. Oh, you guys had an incident? <laughs> yeah, can... well, let's just move on from the topic. No, okay. no slushy beers. <laughs> okay, well, I'm a huge, I'm team slushy all day. Let's go. But, you know, speaking of hype beers, um, this next one is definitely, oh, oh since it this way, we've got uh, Town and Fine Balance Symbiosis, a lactose IPA. Team Lactose, you know the yep. vibes. Um, great selection. <laughs> you guys ready for this bad boy? Let's do yes. it. I'm um, just going to grab it. One. Yeah, yeah. Grab it, boys. No problem. So this uh, – I'll keep everyone entertained. So this, this, this beer is something – I saw them when they made it. I am uh, – I'm friends with Jeff from town. I know Andrew at Fine Balance. Great dudes. Um, very excited for this one. What a, what a selection. Why did you choose this yeah. one? Like – I could not not send you a lactose beer. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Justin. I, I, but I'm definitely not team lactose. Oh, I not? will also say that. Andrew oh, can attest to that too. That yeah. for a long time, I I fought, uh, but I thought bringing in oats and cream, um, yes. and the uh, and the uh, gelato sours, um, strictly. You know, the biggest reason, to be honest, is because out of four staff that worked in the shop, um, one was vegan and lactose intolerant. Damn it. The other was kind of like lactose sensitive. And to, to me, a lot of breweries overdid it on lactose for a long time. They, <laughs> so They did. They did. Even as a lactose fiend, um, they did. You're right. So... I was won over by uh, by oats and cream and the exactly. strawberry vanilla gelato beer specifically, but then this one came along and it was like two shop favorite breweries, um, like breweries we love to work with that have helped us out a lot, but also just put out like banger after banger. Yeah, um, and. It's a like, mix of the I Astro even, Ever After from town and Oats and yeah. Cream from thing. So I'm just checking out with the untapped one to see what the hops were. But I love when they do those mashups. Okay, so it was it just made sense for you guys to at least get this one in because you love the breweries yep. anyway. Yep. Yeah. We're actually uh, working with Andrew and Fine Balance on a collab um, nice. coming out in, I think, the end of July. Can you speak to what that might be at all? Uh, you don't have to. You can keep it in suspense. <laughs> it's 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 going to be a dry hop pilsner in the vein of Precipice. They're in okay. New Zealand, uh, but one. with uh, U.S. New World hops. Nice, but still with a nod to the old. So, okay, yeah. love it. Here for it, boys. Get it in you. Ooh, it Cheers. It's fire. As expected. Yeah, the lactose is kind of subtle in this. I feel like Fine Balance yep. uses it really well. I always thought it was really strange in a good way that they chose an oats and you know an oat cream IPA as their uh, flagship. But mm-hmm. um 
I don't know, they, they managed to find like a nice uh, balance because you are right. I feel like around the Milk Shark era, like 2017, um, yep. that's when lactose kind of went a little crazy. You know, I was I was here for it, but uh, it did get a little far. And people got kind of pissed, understandably so. Um, I feel like uh, now though, it's not it's not what it used to be. No one really cares. But so if you are going <laughs> to use it, you know, use it use it right. Like as I as I mentioned, with the fridges behind the counter, people heavily rely on our recommendations or on our guidance. So if twenty five percent of the staff, ooh, froze again. I think he's just mad again. This is at that point in time. Oh, and I cut out again. You go, Justin. Is that, Maybe boot him, so he's got to come back. Yeah, there you go. Um, do you know the hops in this beer? They didn't say. I do not know, sir. No, I won't. It's okay. I'm not. What do you think? Um, what do you get? One of my guesses, I can't remember what's in Afro uh, Astro Ever After, but I know Jeff loves um, Idaho 7. It's like both of our like, favorite hops. So I feel like he's slight. I know it's Square Wheel's main one. Um, do you know the hops in this, Justin, at all? Off the top of your head, because it's not on Untapped. No one's talking about it. Sorry, I'm just back in. Mm. Um, I know it was definitely more evident before, uh, but I could definitely I taste so. the blueberry of the mosaic that Fine Balance uses. They kind of have this special pick of mosaic that's phenomenal mm. that's just pure blueberries and it's it's faded a bit now i can taste the nelson that would normally be in the oats and cream oh nelson. i know <laughs> yeah okay nelson maybe it's too cold yeah like oats and cream is nelson and astro ever after is mosaic oh so i think it's just those two hops together that would make um, sense it's great, but great fine beer. balance has this, this. Fine balance has this one batch of mosaic that is just like, mm. it's nuts. It's, I haven't got that blueberry from mosaic in, like at least a year. Yeah, there's, so, mm. it's spectacular. Well, this is only like three weeks old though, so like it's, you know, these guys both hold uh, up really well. So it's super fresh. Love it. Yeah. So you really get the snozberries. <laughs> I do love a good snozberry. Under underutilized fruit. Yeah. Mm. They nailed this. I was very happy to see them collab. I've seen uh, good ass breweries collab like that. Um as far as like, is there anything you guys wouldn't stuck? Maybe is it probably a good question, or is it like, is there anything you guys are like, aside from slushies, if you want to go into, but is there anything that's sort of off? You know, you really just not for any like negative reason, where it's just like, you know, that's not really what we want to offer. Non-alcoholic beer. Okay. And any yeah. particular reason? We talked about that. Uh, maybe we would. You know, it's all about good examples of the style. So I guess if there was a really good one, mm -hmm. we would probably have like one of them. We got like a 
Willibald Seltzer. We've got some ciders. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, d- down for anything really. It really, it's all about like education, and it's not just about selling stuff. It's about you know teaching people things and spreading the love of beer and different breweries and you know releases that we love. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, are you guys really trying to sort of, um, like you mentioned with the Third Moon, which was only a couple of weeks ago, was it, it was like two weeks ago, uh, for their anniversary, um, you know, both are a very, very hyped drop. That was like 11 years this year, which is pretty insane. Um, are you guys really yeah. trying to sort of be on top of those sorts of drops where, you know, you're um, making sure you have the, the newest, freshest, like for, as far as the local stuff. Because obviously, you know, if you can go to the LCBO, you can get all the fantastic examples of Belgian and German and European stuff for the clientele that you have that, uh, you know, just need an excellent example of a style to sort of use as a guidepost. Because like you were saying, it's been a while since I've homebrewed, but I did enjoy the process of sort of drink, because homebrewing takes so damn long. It's kind of cool to be able to drink you know, numerous different examples of that style while you're making it and it just makes it more of an experience. So as far as the other side of stuff, yeah, like are you trying to be like a go-to spot where, um, you know, if Third Moon's got a drop or Badlands or, or Willabold who, uh, you know, in that realm of Barncat or Rouge River, you know, Fine Balance, or, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Are you trying to make sure you have all those newer stuff like ASAP or is it kind of not really much of a concern for you guys because of the volume of clientele that are more that uh, homebrew folks than maybe like the people who are sort of just regular drinkers seeking stuff out. You know, it's Justin, but I think we, we try really, <laughs> really hard to have like a lot of the really great new releases. You can't get like all of them. You really have to be committed to get every single new release from all those breweries that you just specifically mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, some weeks you have them, some weeks you don't. Okay. Yep. Um, we, but, sorry, go ahead. We, we tend to kind of rotate between Badlands and Third Moon, depending on the week and what releases are coming out. Gotcha. Um, definitely notice, like, double IPAs don't, just with our clientele, just don't move at the same speed as regular, so... You know, if Badlands is having just double IPA release, it'll flip to Third Moon. Uh, a lot of them are rotating, and Willibald's quickly become part of that rotation too. So we bring in a lot of them, but not all of them. So we kind of try and catch the ones that are standing out a little bit more uh, in terms of uh, style or something exceptional that they're doing. We know they're going to be good either way. Every beer they put out is solid. Yeah, uh, They're some of the best IPA brewers in the country. Oh yeah. If not, I'll say North America, but uh, yeah, for sure. Um, But, you know, they need to kind of fall into some sort of category that works that week. I try even look at, um, you know, releases that will work together. Like if, you know, this is going to trigger someone to buy this or, um, you know, things that are related Two different beers that use the same yeast at the same time. Like I'll look that, you know, I'll look into that. Yes. Mm. That's super nerdy, but when you can throw that little bit of information to, you know, the beer curious, it can also 
you know, catch their eye and they're like, you know what, maybe I'll try that. Hmm. Um, That's fascinating too. I guess that works well for that clientele again. So you can be like, Hey, this new, I know that, um, didn't escarpment drop a new, like a juicy, like a you know, New England yeast, something recently? I'm on their mailing list, so I see yeah. all their stuff. So if they drop that yeast, so, like, ah, these two guys use this. Yeah. Um, Libre. Bio Libre, yeah. Yeah. So we jumped on, uh, I think it was Conjuration 11. It was a pale ale that Third Moon did, mm-hmm. and they only just said they used an experimental uh, experimental yeast uh, from Escarpment Labs, and that was like pre the release of the yeast that we knew was coming mm-hmm. to the store. Uh, funny enough, and this is uh, according to Third Moon themselves, like it's one of their lowest rated beers, but it was super cool and. You know, we, people enjoyed it and talked about it and, you know, in the shop. Uh, and since then, you know, Ascarman the, has learned more about that yeast. And we've had other beers that have been made with it as well. Right now we have one from Shortfinger uh, called Boba Libra. And, um, you know, we, we have that actually on display in our fridge with the packet of yeast and behind it so that, that's if anyone cool. comes in and wants to know about it, we can talk about that at the same time. That's amazing. I don't um, know why. I just think this is such yeah. a genius like concept. I've just never heard anything like that. It just makes <clears throat> so much logical sense for your business. And I would imagine that when I was brewing, like home brewing with Scott, like we would, like that would be the most perfect thing. Like, yo, we got to, oh, fuck yeah, like give me a couple of them and, now you can drink it there beforehand whilst you're shopping and already getting amped for the brew day. Like, I don't know. That's like a, just such an, in a, in a world where maybe experiences were taken from us for the last two years, essentially, uh, for better or worse. Um, you know, those small things in life kind of, uh, you know, a little more valuable now, you know, it's, that's so for smart. Sure. I had a co- something that you brought up about the double IPA. So I went to, I happened to be, you know, I know the guys from third room, obviously. So I went to see them, uh, I happened to be in town um, right as they were, the, like the day before they did the launch for their um, anniversary. So I, I swung by to see Chris and he was telling me, and someone else had told me this as well. And this is what I thought was interesting. You mentioned about the styles that don't sell as well with the double IPAs. Chris was telling me that the double IPAs haven't been um, moving like they used to. And someone else, yeah. and I forgot who it was, were telling me the double, someone here maybe, would tell me the double IPAs aren't as popular as well because people are broke and fat from the last two years. And those, you know, <laughs> beers, higher calories, they cost more, there's more going on with them. So, you know, maybe in the previous times, people were crushing double IPAs a little more, or maybe in, the, in 2020, or maybe early 2021, to where everyone's like, wow, this is getting out of control. And now the pendulum has swung to maybe pale ales or 6.5% IPAs, kind of like third moon badlands do. Um, I wonder if you guys have any thoughts of actual real time consumer data from the store. Like, what, you know, is that, is that the case? Like, people are really like, what, what styles are selling more? What styles aren't as popular right now? And any theories as to why? I've been fascinated by that. Those double IPAs definitely do still sell when someone's looking for a hot bomb, you know, when someone's looking for something full on. But I think 
part of it might have been, you know, early on in the pandemic, everyone was looking to forget the pandemic, first and foremost. Yeah. So, you know, and you didn't have anywhere to go. So if you ended up not being able to drive, just watching movies on your couch, it was cool. Or having Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as time went on and things started opening up, all of a sudden there's the swing the opposite way. The pendulum swung back where people want to be ha- able to have a couple and then go for a walk. Even if it's six feet away from your your friend, it's still a fact you can have a few and not uh, not be weighed down. Right. So I know like us personally in the shop, we've all uh, been that way um, where we appreciate like if someone can put out a beer that's has all the flavor has, you know, the hop saturation, if that's what you're looking for or, you know, a dry finish so that you still are ready to, to drink the next one. It's, you know, you can have more of them. (laughs) It's like, that's really the bottom line. Right. So the, is there any styles that, I mean, so maybe, Double IPAs might not be as I mean obviously they're still popular like, yeah, definitely not saying that they're not no. but maybe you know like there's always like little patches where something's a little more popular than something else you know it's just the way that yeah you know, I, I think loggers are really popular right now like that's really where things are leaning towards and yeah, yeah you know I, I used to want to crush a double IPA like how hoppy can we make it how many IBUs can we fit in this beer but you know. Now I just want to drink a beer and I don't want to get like wasted on a Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon or something like I just want to drink a beer. So I think just like a, you know, a can of Bim and Vigor, just like a Pilsner or Lager hits the mark. You know, you just want to be able to drink a few beers or just drink one and uh, you can still enjoy it very, very much, especially in the summer, really any time of year a lager is good. Yes, but and uh, the consumers uh, are really asking yeah. for that more. Yeah, we have a huge lager fridge, and uh, yeah, I think that's where things are really going. It's all many of the great breweries have. You know, it's all about perfecting like a really good lager. Uh, I love how Godsby does like you know almost exclusively lagers. I guess exactly, or a lot of the time. Um, and it, it's a craft in itself. It, it's one of the hardest beers really to brew. Um, so you've got to give it up to all those guys for, uh, it's, it's a true labor of love when it comes to beer and brewing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. Every time I'm in Toronto, I make sure yeah. I, my brother lives 50 meters from Godspeed. So it's very convenient that, uh, every time I'm in town, so good. I swing down and, and, and always grab a whole shit ton because it's just such a treat to be able to just go on a free. I've had them all, so I've done the reviews and I have to take fucking photos. I just can just go in and just grab you know, the Sklepnik and just shut up and enjoy it. It's, it's, it's glorious. It's a really, really nice. So for you guys, maybe I'd be curious, what's your like top three best selling styles then? Just to try to um, paint the picture of sort of what people are drinking. Cause I feel like nobody like breweries have an idea of what people are into, but breweries are limited to what they sell. You guys have a, a larger breadth than an average brewery possibly could, could ever maintain. So I think you would have a, a really unique, viewpoint into um, what what people are actually drinking and asking for these days like in specifics I couldn't really point it out like a specific beer 
style, oh, of course. Like overarching style. Uh, like Liger's pill, yeah. like, like you know, Liger's double IPAs, pale ale, type of thing. I would definitely, definitely say loggers would be number one because we can find one within that fridge that's going to appeal to any drinker's taste, mm-hmm. uh, whether they want something just super, super easy, super hoppy, or like even a hop head. We'll throw one in the pack when we tell them, you know, about Precipice, again, New Zealand Pilsner, or another dry hopped lager where they can still get their fill, but be able to have one or two and be, be super cool. So I would say loggers, um, then IPAs, single IPAs. And then I, it gets to be a bit of a toss up. We actually sell a lot of English, uh, style beers too. Hmm. So like, um, kind of since I've been there, we've always had, uh, muddy Yorks, uh, major small, like we kind of always keep that in stock. Um, I've made a point of bringing in a lot of like Clifford's uh, brewery only releases, uh, either Brave Captain or uh, Dark Streets of London. And those ones don't move as quickly, but they always do. And someone always comes back for them because they're just really excellent examples of those styles too. And that's just even general, general consumers. Um, so yeah, it would kind of almost be a tie between the Sours and Belgians, (laughs) Sours, Belgians, Pale Ales and English styles. It's really hard to, to make that like third from the top because one customer will come in and they'll buy like every single Belgian beer we have because, um, you know, it's a good like breadth. They, they can grasp all of it at once. Mm. Um, so yeah, it gets tricky when you get past those top two, like the lager first, IPA, and then the rest kind of, kind of uh, just happens in each one. With the Belgian, which obviously that's what we're going to get into next, which is a very interesting choice from uh, from you guys there, which we'll, we'll get into. But what's the <laughs> po- popularity of Bel- – I mean back in the day, like when we first come into Toronto Brewing to, to get all the stuff, Belgians were like the, like the pinnacle of like exciting beers at the time, particularly being in Ontario, which was more of a, uh, you know, an English style province over here in Quebec, you know, Belgian stuff is kind of a bit more ubiquitous. So it's not as, you know, it wasn't as much of a big deal, I guess, because Unibrew is in every store and that's a pretty world-class example. Um, yeah. What's the, what's the popularity of the Belgian styles? Like how are, are people still excited for that over there? Like what's the vibe? I actually have to step away for a second, yeah, but, yeah. uh, yeah, Zach, Zach can take that. <laughs> yeah. I think people love, uh, Belgian beers, but you know, really it's all, it's all about, um, yeah. Some people come in and they buy like one of each Belgian beer for sure. Okay. Um, and it, it's such a great category because you can get from like the Belgian single, like the West mall extra, uh, or St. Bernard's extra, something kind of lighter to a double, which has like a huge malt character, uh, a triple, which is, you know, a blonde beer, but big alcohol, like 9%. Then you get the quad, which is like this hugely imposing, like fruity, malty, chewy type of thing. Um, 
and then you can get the funkier Belgian like saisons and really go down the rabbit hole with it. And they're beautiful beers. They pair really well. They're fun to brew. Great style. And so that that's really popular. Like Justin said, IPAs, lagers as well. Can't get enough of them. Like they're just great styles ultimately. Of course. Yeah, the lagers have definitely seen the uh, the. Um, I feel like Ontario was a little ahead of Quebec with the popularity of lagers, and now I think we've caught up out here. So it's cool to see that every brewery, like you said, is kind of like going out of their way to at least make one fire lager, which is you know super valuable. Um, but the Belgians. Yeah, but- don't. Sorry, I was just gonna no, say like uh, it's a it's a long tail, and um, there are so many different beer styles, and even like uh, I will mispronounce it, but Australenka Rausch beer, mm. um, the Beechwood smoked one. I remember I stocked it just kind of not as a gag, but you know didn't think anyone would re- really buy it at all, and it like sold out right away. Um, so I think there's there's appetite for all beer styles, and although although like lagers probably sell by the highest volume, it's just because people like can drink them really quick. Well, if you get like a, a lambic or like an imperial stout or like yeah like a third moon imperial stout, you might age it for like a couple years right. before you even drink it. So you're consuming more lagers and more IPAs. And the other styles, just by nature of the style itself. Right, right, right. Okay, that makes sense. But it's good to know that uh, Belgians still have like a market and that people are into it. I feel like nobody I speak to, that's why I'm sort of saying that. I know about you, man, but like the most people I know aren't really gone out of the way to buy Belgians, you know, whether they're Ontario, Quebec, or elsewhere. I feel like it's more. People have, I feel like Belgium was, at a, the people who were into Belgians, and this is why I was really curious about it, was like at the time, so 2011, 2012, we were discovering beer. There's some, you know, there's local breweries, but like, let's be real, like they weren't like fire fire back then. Like things were cool, but it wasn't like killer. So Belgians were as exciting as it could get because you couldn't get this crazy, even like you, you mentioned before about the IBU wars from, you know, 2013, 14, 15. Um, that was a, a time that not even anyone locally or many people locally, maybe Mad Tom when that came out, that was kind of an IBU thing. Um, you know, a few other, uh, other beers would probably slip in my mind right now. But Belgians were like, I remember going to uh, Sarah's Cafe, it was called on Danforth, to, to pay 40 bucks to get the West, West Letter in 12. And then like three times it took and split the bottle, the 330 mil bottle with a few mates because it was $20 for whatever for sure it's eight ounces or less and but that was like that was like a treat it was just like such an impeccable experience every time so i just remembered that time super fondly but i don't see the same thing these days because they can go to third moon they can go to battle and get the hype stuff they get these crazy stouts and ipas and all this other stuff that's probably a bit more attractive to them than maybe uh some sort of belgian beer you know so it's it's nice to see that people are still still into that kind of segment and it's still popping up. A hundred percent. And uh, yeah, we seek them out and try to get all the, the great ones. And the, the LCBO is actually pretty good at slowly but surely getting all of the different uh, Belgian releases, like some classic beers from uh, you know, Rochefort, Westmall. So nice. we're pretty lucky in that regard. And I, uh, you know, the, the latest beers 
the latest pipe IPAs are amazing and lagers are amazing, but you know, I, I agree that uh, Belgians are definitely overlooked these days. And um, although I, I'm drinking a lot of the, the latest, greatest uh, like Ontario releases or whatever, I still always grab like, I'm just looking at a couple of Belgians that I put aside right now. Um, they're great. Like I challenge anyone to drink a Belgian beer and not enjoy it thoroughly. Um, especially ones from like Rochefort and Westmall and Saison Dupont, like they're just quintessential examples of the style and you can just, they're, they're 10 out of 10 enjoyable. Um, you can really just like sit back, grab the right glass, get yourself a nice piece of like Beamster, like Dutch, uh, Gouda, really nice sharp cheese, maybe a little pate or something, a little pickled prolongion, throw in a little, you know, sick, and just quaff it, enjoy it. It's beautiful. It's Magic. a really beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I actually agree. The uh, I went to in 2019. They had they brought out the um, the master brewer from Rodenbach to Quebec. We did this uh, brewers brunch with him. And I never had Roman Buck before. I didn't really know much about Flanders Reds or anything. And it just changed my life. Like, it was the most craziest yeah. shit I've ever had. And he was super cool. And trying to... They only brought three of the different ones here. And it's classic and the vintage and Grand Cru, I think. And it was just... It's just impeccable. Like, it's just one of my favorite beers. Oh, yeah. And I just bought one that was in Ontario recently. And I bought one of the... They had the cans of it. Like, the, the regular classic, which is my favorite, just in the can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wanting to, yeah. I've got a 750 of the the classic in a, you know, the, the cork and cage, and I got the can. Yeah. I wanted, like, that's like a really lot of that one beer to drink at once, like a liter and a bit. But I wanted to do like a side by side and see what the For difference sure. is to have like a Belgian beer, like a real 200 year plus Belgian beer in a can versus a bottle. Have you tried the can at all? I haven't tried the can yet, no. No. I'm very Just curious. Bottle. Just, okay. Bottle and draft. I've had Rodenbach on draft in mm. Belgium on Nitro. How was that? Delicious. Absolutely delicious. Disgusting. Um, do we want to? Uh, this is a pretty good segue for the uh, the Belgian. Or do we want to hang on for a sec? Yeah, let's do the Belgian. Let's do, let's it. do it. I'm excited. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's grab it. Yeah, go for it. I'll keep him going. So you know, this is the sorry about the connection here. It's nah, been dude. garbage, <laughs> right? Of course, the night we do a pod. <laughs> um, yeah, y'all. So uh, this is this is super cool. The Belgian beers are something that uh, you know, personally, aside from Rodenbach, I haven't really had as much. So we have a super interesting one um, right now. Tiff, could you get the bottle, please? Thank you so much. Um, Shasta Tiffany always opens up with all the beers, but yeah, so like this is kind of cool. The Belgian beers aren't really something that uh, we, we drink as much as we should, but um, you know, uh, I'm definitely more fascinated now to to get into them and to learn a bit more about it. That's the one. Looking at the Belgian, the only Belgian beer in Africa. Thank you. Oh, I guess I need the bottle of them. Thank you. I totally forgot. That guy. There we go. That's the one. Perfect. So if we're going to do it up, we're going to do it proper. What's man. so? Tell us, bro. What's so legit? What's so legit about this one? When they showed up, all the bottles from the brewery, mm -hmm. the labels 
were all weird and like off center and there was yeast on many of the bottles. Really? <laughs> but for some reason it just made them so much more legit. Right. When there's uh, when I was saying before, when you were cutting out, I was telling um, Zach that I was, uh, we were back in the day, like 2011, 2012, I can't remember when it was exactly, but we were able to um, get like Westlander in 12 and that was back when they sort of imported it. And I don't think, I think it was literally people were putting it in their, like their suitcase and bringing them back type shit. And they were selling them. And they didn't even have labels at all. They just had the, those white stickers on them. With, you know, the only thing official was the cap. So there's something to be said about, uh, oh, you got the proper glassware right there. I have the worst glassware right now. <laughs> It's uh, it's not as common as it used to be. Tell us about this one, guys. This is a um, a Trappist Belgian double, and I feel like back in the day I wouldn't really have to explain this, but I kind of feel like, you know, the 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 people who are into beer now um, might not be as familiar. They might not have dealt with it. Thank you so much. They might not have actually you, dealt with it. Yeah. Go can down. you point out the uh, cheers? Very oh, nice. Yes. That looks beautiful. Yes. Gorgeous. Can you point out the uh, the Trappist symbol on the bottle? It is. I can't see it. Normally, it does that has this like little thing in a circle? No. It was a trick question. Because they not? just lost their status. They lost yeah. the status. The monk. Uh, the monk. Well, I, I've just. I think the monks retired. The monks were <laughs> the old. Are like, Fuck there aren't enough monks. Okay. Yeah, it's just a no, bunch like, of young kids now. Bunch of tattooed <laughs> young kids. Hipster people in Queen's Ironic t shirts. <laughs> you know, going to bands, listening to bands <laughs> that don't exist yet. We know. So, this particular I, beer, I feel like. Previous when I when when uh, the box arrived, I had more questions than maybe I have right now because I feel like you guys have really positioned, um, you know, the the products that you sell for this specific conversation. Why did you guys choose a, a you know a classic which I actually haven't had? Trappist is it Akel? I don't know how to say yeah, it. yeah, probably. Thinking French. Akel. It's still a Trappist beer, so so. Although it doesn't have the symbol, it is still uh, a defining example of a Trappist beer. And uh, it is like second to none when it comes to like, you know, a Belgian style Trappist brown ale, this particular one. Right. So would this be, because this says brewing beer, like brown beer, is it a, and it's 8%, is this a double, like a D-U-B-B-E-L? Yes, it would fall under Under as a double. Okay. Still at that. Um, I would say so. The malt profile is definitely of a double. So it's, um, you know, maybe should we just describe what a double is for those who uh, are maybe a bit new to it? Because, like I said, I feel like there's a lot of people who watch and listen who know what's up. But I think there's like, the new era of beer people, like I was saying before, who might have come in around, I don't know, 2018 or something like that. And then, like, they wouldn't have probably touched this stuff. 
Like, I feel like it was almost exclusively sure. the era that we got into beer. Well, it sounds like you guys were into it a lot earlier than I was, but, you know, the, I was drinking beer pre-2011, obviously, but I wasn't, like, proactively discovering beer, I guess, uh, until that time and really searching it out and then learning about the different styles. So when I learned about this stuff, it was so deeply fascinating to me that... Um, you know, because it was so different to anything else that we could get locally and anything else I'd had drank previously, which was predominantly I don't know, fucking European lagers and stuff and, and whatever. But once, you know, if, if you got into beer in the last few years, it's very unlikely people would have maybe just stumbled across Traps beers in their, uh, in their travels. Um, so maybe do we want to talk about what a Trappist brewery is and then maybe, you know, the difference between like a, a single double triple and quad that might give people a bit of context and you guys could probably describe it a lot better than I could. For sure. Justin, you want to take this one? You look, uh, what was he frozen again? Laser eyes. <laughs> well, he's really having bad luck tonight with his uh, thing. He looks, he looked like he was really concentrating on, uh, giving the question, a, right? Very <laughs> So, so I'll jump in. Uh, you know, Trappist beer, I think Justin was mentioning it. It was one of like the first uh, real craft beers, or I don't know if it's craft, but non-macro lager type of beers that I first tried. Mm. Uh, Chimay Red, yes. which yeah. is very similar to this. It's, it's uh, an 8% imposing yet mm. refined, delicious Belgian beer that is hugely flavorful and malty and rich, but dry and still crushable. Like you crush like two or three of these on a patio, sitting outside in Amsterdam on the canal, no problem. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful beer, super clean, but it's it's got some nice uh, aromatics from the yeast. Great, beautiful complexity, but simple. I could go on. I could go on forever. <laughs> uh, just a beautiful beer, beautiful beer. Um, and uh, its bigger brother would be the quad. So is it triple? Because triples then, are usually, it's like eight, nine, ten type of thing. Like this is eight triples and nine. Ex- excuse me if I'm wrong, but I'm, that's what I remember. In or terms of uh, alcohol percentage? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you could be like, Seven, eight, nine, eight, nine, ten. No one's really counting. You, know, you just want to be like. It doesn't matter. That's true. I think like eight or ten, but the 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 double is going to be closer to eight, and the quad's going to be ten plus. Okay. Um, a tri- and a triple is going to be somewhere in between. So yeah, roughly eight, nine, ten. But you are correct. Being the, okay, but I guess I was thinking ABV, but you are correct when you said the quad is like the big brother of the double as far as the similar type of beer, you know, the, the double and the quad are darker beers, uh, whereas the triple and the single are the blonde beers. So I never really thought about that that way. I was always thinking in the ABV, like, climb. Um, yeah. yeah. So even with this one in a double, so it's like a, it's a strong brown beer, so it's got a nice malt profile. The Belgian uh, yeast give it like a like a spicy, how would you describe that nose? 
It's been such a long time for me. Just to switch it up. Sorry again. <laughs> oh, I've got that exact same, uh, the artist. Uh, I think her name is yeah. Davi. I've got Melbourne, Toronto, Montreal right behind, behind the camera there. Nice. Is that Toronto? Yes. yes. Let's go. Um, we're just talking about the actual, the double. What's the what's the nose we're getting here? I mean, it's like that Belgian candy sugar vibe. Yeah, like a little candy sugar maltiness, almost like a little bit of clove, like a a touch of the like those like uh, phenols you might get in like a like a Belgian wit beer, but like way way less pronounced. Like a little bit of that like uh, you know bubblegum or peppercorn type of thing, but very, very, very slight, but really just all about the malt complexity, a little bit of those uh, Belgian, well, a lot, a lot of those nice Belgian aromatics from the East. And, uh, you, you know, that's really one of the cool things about the Belgian yeast is that, you know, you could take the same malt bill and ferment it with like an ale yeast and ferment it with the Belgian yeast and it would be like a totally different beer. Like the Belgian ale yeast or saison yeast can totally make the the beer itself, and is like one of the defining characteristics of uh, Belgian beer. So that's one of the cool things about brewing is For that sure. you can kind of experiment with different different yeast. We have a bunch of different Belgian ale strains, new ones from Escarpment, classic ones from like all the classic breweries. You can like really really brew something that's very similar to a West Mall uh, or a Trappist beer. Okay. Yep. I love it. I'm getting all those flavors. Like, remember that? Like, that, I always forgot about like, that dark fruit, like raisins. Yep. Mm. Um, it's, it's Bruised like, plum. Bruised plum? Bruised, bruised plum. plum. I'm yep. going to write that down, but then I'm going to steal that. I'm going to say Zach came up with that one. Bruised plum. <laughs> It's very specific. BJCP scoring. Just <laughs> oh yeah, I've always wanted to do BJCP just so it's I can come up with shit like that. Um, yeah, man, this is like it's fascinating because, like I said, it's been so long since I've like sat down and like really like. Yeah. You mentioned you were talking about the cheeses, and I was like, oh yeah, fuck, go some cheese with this. That would be amazing. Because it's got that nice sweetness, I guess. Like you know, sometimes uh, you get. I know here in Quebec they do it all the time when you get like the ja- those jams. With the cheese, there's really like really thick, intense jams you can put on the cracker, and you have the with the cheese or something like that. Sweetness complements yeah. this type of thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, little that's... red pepper jelly. The... Yeah, them joints. You know? Exactly, jelly. Little pate, little mustard, little foie gras, you know? little foie. Mm. Yeah, little foie as we call it. You know, around the traps, little foie. Yeah, man. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah, so... Go this on, particular beer, yes, sir. Yeah, we we cracked one of these like two or three weeks ago at the end of a shift, um, and it's one of the first that's like really caught me again in a while. Um, like being honest, it's not generally a style I gravitate towards as like personal preference, but this particular one just as it warms it completely opens up like a red wine. Like you start getting all of those uh, like subtle notes that just come out. And um, more than I've got from recent ones and 
because we got this directly from the uh, through an importer as well, not through the LCBO. We knew that it hit the LCBO, and they got it out of their like the warehouse, I should say. And our our importer got it out of there as soon as he possibly could, and got it to us. So you're getting it like as close to you can get it in this country or at least province, like at its prime. So, and of course these beers you can age. Of course. Yeah. Uh, at 8%, it's going to, it's going to hold up and it's going to evolve and more of those dark fruit bruised plum notes will come out. <laughs> but uh, it was a really cool example just to kind of show something that we at the shop offer that, other people don't like where else are you going to find this? Yeah. Like a couple other places got a couple cases. We, we went pretty deep on uh, the Belgians and continue to, and you know, we, we offer something that other people can't. Mm. So, yeah, no, I, I think yeah. that's great, man. And that's what separates what you do and, and makes it super mm. unique. And, and it's even like uh, like you were saying, this is not a style I gravitate towards to in uh, any shape or form. But I was looking forward to it because I thought it would be, you know, if we're going to be talking about this stuff, I imagine it would be a part of the conversation. I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of shocked at how how much one how much I like it, but two, like it's just so like sometimes I remember Belgian beers being. Aside from like the Rodenbox, but like the, the Flanders Red style, but something like this, like a double, just they're always like, I always think of them as being this, ah, this sweet, sticky thing that's like, yep. uh, cloves and uh, all this shit. And it's just so mm-hmm. intense. But this is, it's really not that. Like it's genuinely incredibly smooth. The sweetness is super balanced. All of the uh, spice and herbal kind of elements are sitting just where they need to be. I mean, the bruised plums are out here, yep. that, but the, the nice raisins. Um, it, it's just like in a great – I forgot about the sharp carb uh, in this type of style. Like this is a genuine pleasure. This is like a – like you said, yep. a sipper right now. I've got the little uh, – the what do you call that? Like the – I don't know. What's this shit called? Oh, my God. Why am I having Lacing. a Lacing. Lacing? Not even the lacing. lacing. No, like the – See, like the it's cold at the top, and it's see how it's like there's a cold gap, because ah. it's just out of the fridge. So I guess what I'm trying to say is going to like you guys just mentioned, it's going to open up. So I can, you know, I know we have one more after this to do, and that's kind of why I want to just crush that uh, the IPA there because I know that I can slowly sip this in the next one uh, over the evening, and they're going to be just as dope and in in, in a different way in an hour or two it's going to change and it's going to open up and it's going to be a different bouquet on the nose and the sharp carb will still be there, but it will just have a little different profile. So like drinking the beer as it warms in this particular style or in these, these uh, Belgian styles, you know, it's, a, it's an experience in and of itself since, you know, we're talking so much about experiences today. For sure. Um, yeah. What's, what's really interesting too is if you still have any of that IPA left, I did they also do the same. Yeah. Oh, every, true. True. every beer will open up. Like even Coors Light will open up, but <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't drink that when the mountains aren't blue. Like it's oh, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you keep them mountains Let's blue. Be I serious, but yeah. Yeah. They, uh, no, you're yeah. right with the IPAs. Even too. the IPA. Right. Yeah. 
I was telling somebody the other day about the um, – I did a podcast recently. Someone was like, oh, the beers need to be a little more room temperature, so take them out because I'm in a smaller apartment. I've got a little beer fridge a few meters away, so um, I usually like to leave it in there. And there was one – I can't remember what it was, but I was like, you know what? When the guest says to do it, I'll do what they say because this is what the experience you know we're trying to go for. Took the beers out, and to be honest, I didn't enjoy it even a fraction as much because I think I liked the journey. I like the journey from this ice cold where there's some frost. That's what the freaking word I'm looking for. Bit of frost at the top. That means that this beer is way too cold. Um, and then it's going to, you know, I'll drink this slowly uh, over the, the evening um, to, to, to get the whole experience from top to bottom. But like if I let it just be warm and then it's just going to go from already kind of warm to like really warm. It's not as interesting, but I, I kind of like this. I think that's a part of the experience. You get to try the beer as it opens up, and it might just be like yeah. after 20 minutes, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, well, what's, what's going on here? But um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, it's very, very yeah. cool. I imagine then that – so if people in, in Ontario want to get Belgian beers, there isn't probably that many points because when I mentioned before, you can get them from every LCBO. I was kind of – I just thought that's what it was, but it sounds like that maybe that's not the point. Like, not not the case. I'm sorry. Like, the, it isn't as simple to go and get these like super. I'm gonna say high end. I'm not sure if it's necessary high end, but if it's a Trappist beer, it's like we know it's the highest quality, and there's only a, a few Trappist beers in the world. Um, I forgot. It's like twelve or something now. Something like that. Less. Maybe eleven. Yeah. Okay. Maybe because <laughs> they they took this one. <laughs> Haters, um, but yeah, is it uh, like is there beers like this? It's some. It's a. It's a great reason for for people who to to come to the the Toronto Brewing Bottle and um, Geary to to be able to get this selection of Belgian beers because you'd sure. have to go to a like a handful of LCBOs to be able to even find the same stuff. And, and some of them yeah. aren't available at all. Like uh, true, you said private Saint import, Bernardus. Right? Yeah, Saint Bernardus Extra Four, uh, the West Mall Extra. I don't think is in LCBOs, but they were going to get a very small amount. Um, but they'll, you know, they'll go to every far corner, and we we have a good amount, so we can make sure people get it. Uh, the Kel stuff not at the LCBO at all, and um. Golden Drac, we had a couple that only come out at Christmas time in a mix pack. Cool. Uh, so we still have a couple of the Golden Drac. Monk's Cafe wasn't an LCBO release. We have the Grand Crew and the regular. So yeah, the there's a Cafe, lot. Is that from Belgium? Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. Remish. So Remish Zach. Okay. Yeah, Monk's Cafe is like an OG uh, Belgian beer bar. An importer from uh, Philly. I've been there. So they get a Flemish red made. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Well. Okay. When we went to Philly like so, in 2019, the first thing, it was the only place we went, we were there for one night, and I was like, we went straight to Monk's Cafe, but they had um, Pliny and Blind Pig on tap. So I was like, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? I was just there as well and had the same beers, and it was a romantic uh, experience. Gorgeous. What a spot. Beautiful. But okay, that's what I saw it on your website, to be honest. And I was looking through the website and I was like, Monks, I saw it on the like the list of all the brewers. Like, 
Right. Okay. That's their beer that they make in Belgium so that they can have like a Flemish red on tap at that's their bar. Theirs. Fuck, that's genius. That's Contract brewing. Yeah. That's so smart. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's a unique one. It's definitely different than the uh, than Rodenbach for sure. It's got a different flavor profile. Okay. So definitely need to check it out. The, the Grand Cru is a little sweet. Very good, very good. It is the Grand Cru, but it's a little sweet for me. But the regular Monk's Cafe, the OG, mm-hmm. absolute classic. And you guys Do keep it. that pretty regular? No, it's not regular. It's <laughs> oh, like it's not? Okay. Uh, there's like a Belgian importer, Horizon Beers, and um, they have a list of all this like random stuff that they can get. And I was just like, you can get Monk's Cafe and Monk's Cafe... Grand Cru and Golden Drock Whiskey Barrel Age. Like, holy shit, like, put me down for a few cases and uh, just put together, like, a pallet of beer, basically. And they're just like, okay, we'll order this in for you. And they get it whenever they get it, like, months later. And uh, so we have it now. But then once it's gone, it's gone. Oh, you have we it now? We don't know when we'll be able We have it now. Okay. I'll and whatever. I want to purchase some of that because that sounds amazing. Yeah, you can grab it online. We'll ship it to you, or you can grab it in store. Um, and yeah, grab it while you can because you never know these days, especially with uh, supply chain and whatever and LCBO. Like, it, it might not come as soon as you you would want it to again. And a lot of these beers you can sell her anyways. All the Belgians, like, oh yeah, you might as well just create a stash right now. Yeah. Okay. I'll uh, I'll talk to Justin. We'll figure that out because I definitely want. <laughs> yeah right it's the only way to do it you gotta just keep them on deck yeah when you get opportunities to get beers like that like that is that is super cool and like I was saying it's a, it's a when you get an appreciation for a, a style like that I feel like of all the Belgians that you know, that Flanders Flemish Red is uh, easily my personal fave so being that I had been there would love to, I didn't know that that was a thing if I hadn't known it would have absolutely for sure. done it but uh, that's great I love it I love that you guys are even getting shit like that like that's some real real beer nerd shit like Super, super cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go, go. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, you, you were asking us how we decide what beers to bring in. Ultimately, yeah. it's a silly answer, but we're trying to bring in, yeah, like those quintessential examples of the style. But, you know, because it defines the style, it it's like a perfect beer. But, you know, this, this is... Uh, it's like Abbey Road or like the Let It Be album. Like these are just, it is what it is and it's perfect. It defines a time. And, uh, you know, although people started drinking beer now, you can definitely go back and listen to these old albums, drink these older beers, and they're absolutely perfect and set everything up that we have now. And um, and I, I think when you have like one of those perfect beers, if it catches you at the right moment, it can be this like transcendental experience that goes beyond just like drinking a beer and enjoying a beer. And I know you guys have definitely had those experiences with beers, whether it's at like Monk's Cafe or just sitting at home, a beer can just be like catch you at the right moment and you can just be like, wow, this is truly amazing. So I think a lot of these Belgian beers that we're importing like really hit that mark and take you to that, that transcendental point where beer meets like life in the universe and like uh, everything just <laughs> beautifully you know um 
Yeah, and that's what it's all about. If you can try and kind of articulate what we're doing, it's just all about love and discovery and trying to, you know, either get people that moment for the time discovering a new style or just get them to revisit it and re-fall in love with beer. Um, that's what it's all about. That's beautiful. You say something? Well, it's it's yeah. funny. As, as, yeah. big, as big a beer nerd as I am, like, I wasn't that familiar with Akel. Like, two, right. about three, four weeks before we sent this to you, it wasn't... Like I was familiar with many, many other um, examples of a double, but not this particular one. And when we cracked it, it it wasn't quite transcendental uh, sitting in the shop at the end of a long day. But it uh, it definitely like you know caught my attention and is why I wanted to select this one to send to you mm. um, because. And then I looked it up on the BJCP afterwards, and it's the first beer listed under Belgian Double. That's like before any of the other, yeah. And that means it's, that is a, a more pure yeah. example of what the style can be. Yeah. It At the, the, the bottom of the uh, yeah. That's yeah, so yeah. As Justin was just going to say, yeah, they they define the style, and then they give you examples of it, and. So basically, uh, Gordon Strong, or whoever wrote that description, basically got one of these beers and just described what this beer is when they're talking about that very style. Um, yeah. yeah, and I've, I've only had this times uh, in Belgium. I think maybe in Quebec. But uh, it's just a stone-cold classic. Mm. You got to have it. Facts. Do you guys think it's the, uh, go? Sorry, go ahead. No, please. I was just going to say, like a little grace, that uh, uh, it's a pleasure uh, sharing these beers with you guys, and uh, it's sure. been a great night. Yeah, man. And uh, uh, cheers to the love of beer. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Well said. Cheers, cheers boys. Oh, mm. I uh, might have messed up that pour a little bit. <laughs> you gave it the old Malico. <laughs> It happens. I, no, I think I got caught on my mic cord. Yeah, uh, that's okay. It'll, it'll say that. It's uh, you know what? Like I was going to say, like, do you guys? Because what this is really sort of taught me, I think one of the main like takeaways from this evening for for everyone is about the experience of drinking beer. And I think that's what you guys have really sort of like, you know, if, I, I can't wait seriously to to check out the the bottle shop to see what that's like, you know the actual experience of grabbing that draft pour and, you know, and, and learning about it all and being able to, to look around the store. And then if you think of something like this, I think that's kind of almost what we, do you think that the experience of beer in the way that you just described, excuse me, um, Zach is missing from what's happening today. As far as like those, those really, you know, as long as you to take anything away, because obviously I'm a haze boy. I love the crispies. I'm loving the lactose. I'm loving the slushy. I like all the crazy shit. And that to me is, is, is I, I really enjoy the whole thing around it. But I wonder if there's an experience that might be, I was going to say missing, maybe not missing is the word, but maybe just less common than it used to be. Whether it's, like you said, like, you know, if you really like, I don't know how much, are we sitting there really thinking about it being like we used to? 
like knowing that hey man there were these dudes wearing those big like heavy brown fucking hooded things and really like making this stuff and they're just, they're not selling it for a profit they're just making the money to keep the monastery going and they're in these mountains of belgium and they're just because this is bread this is their bread for when it's cold and shit like they can live off you know what i'm saying like are they like are we missing that these days is that something that's like been kind of removed from the beer world from beer drinkers like what's I I get what you're saying. Um, at at the same time, I I honestly think that like now is like such a glorious time for beer. There's never been a better time in Ontario for beer and craft beer and independent producers. And the love that I see people pour into their breweries and the beer and the attention to detail. There are dozens of breweries in Ontario that are producing kick-ass beers, that are producing like lagers painstakingly, that are producing all of these double IPAs with all these different hops that are like pushing the limits with new yeast and like new techniques and everything. So I don't, I don't know. I think the passion's like there more than ever, and experimentation and uh, love of beer and brewing is like alive and well. So um, we may yeah. not be listening to the albums of the past, um, but I you can you can always go and revisit them. But I think like the new genres and the new styles that we have now are phenomenal, and people are are brewing like uh, the the quality of beer that we see in Ontario is really better than ever. From loggers to IPAs, they're like world class right now. Like some Godspeed loggers, Czech Dark loggers, or uh, you know some of the IPAs from you know uh, Barn Cat or Third Moon or Badlands. Like these are really really good. So uh, yeah, didn't mean to rant, but and yeah, even the, I think it's yeah. great. Thumbs up, two thumbs up yeah. right now. <laughs> even and the experimentation as well, like you can definitely walk up to most of the, the brewing community uh, either as, as someone who works in one of the stores or as an individual off the street, like, you know, send Bebo a message. Don't send Bebo a message, but send Bebo a message and he will, he will give you information. He will give you tips. He'll, or, you know, see any of those guys and they'll be happy to talk to you about their beer. They are much, they're so passionate about it. Um, but good luck trying to talk to a monk. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so to go back to your original point. Yeah. yeah. It, it's important or, to, to drink these. Uh, you know, it's like yeah. if you're a music lover and then you love new music, but you don't know about like Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or something like that. Like, you're like, come on. So you got even though if you love the new styles, the hazies, the whatever, you got to go back to these old styles, the Belgians, the German lagers, and stuff like that, the classic beers. You got to visit them every once in a while, revisit them, know your roots, get back to basics, and then uh, do whatever you want, go wherever you want from there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it is important and to get romantic about the classic styles for sure, uh, and you don't want to lose that. But, but I think with all these new styles, it's still good. We're, we're in good hands these days with the brewers that we have now. 
I like that. I was that uh, you mentioned all the music stuff, and uh, I have a I, like I do music. I'm a we do hip hop stuff. Um, we have a rap podcast, and with my brother, who's a couple of years younger than me, but my girlfriend's cousin, who's 24, he's a super young and and it's really interesting. You mentioned all of that because whilst I understand the reference with like the rock stuff with rap, he's you know he loves few. I don't know if you guys are into the newer shit, but he loves Future and like a bunch of this type of stuff that maybe a dude of my age might be like, ah, it's not really for me as much. But we had this thing on the on our other podcast where we're making him go back to listen. We give him two or three albums and go back to the nineties, listen to like what. I don't know how nerdy you want me to get, but you know, like Raekwon Cuban links or Cypress Hill, early Cypress Hill yep. shit or D'Angelo or fucking um, whatever. Just all these real, like he loves it. He, and he said recently, a 24 year old kid, he was like, the people these, after listening to all this stuff over multiple months of us telling him every week to go and check out two, three albums a week. It's like, man, the, the music these days don't really, don't, doesn't hit the same. Like the, the quality, the time that people spent, even, and I'm talking the 90s for hip hop, which is probably the equivalent to the 70s for rock with Zeppelin and all that type of stuff and the Beatles even earlier. But he's realizing a 24-year-old kid who's the whole, you know, his world is very different to the world that the three of us grew up in. And he was recognizing the importance of, you know, Nas early, the, you know, Illmatic and Reasonable Doubt and fucking Cuban Links and like all this type of shit that, that, that music is, is, it's a different, different sort of like attention to detail and a different sort of approach to it. And I think you can kind of compare it to this because I'm not as romantic about beer as I am about hip hop because I grew up in like the late eighties, early nineties getting into it and, I'm like when it changed to this trap thing, I'm all old school and pure. It's like, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like this. And then I finally like, oh no, no, nah, I get it. Like you said, we're in good hands these days. Like, no, there are some great artists these days that are taking taking it that way. But there is really truly something to be said about understanding where we came from and part of something. You're saying it, you're saying Nas is like trap is beer. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I am. And if you're a rapper today and you're making hip hop music and you don't know every word to New York State of Mind, then, you know, what are you doing? And maybe that's the same yeah. thing. If you haven't, if you're making beers right now, you're making hazy IPAs, but you don't know how to make a Belgian double, uh, you know, maybe you should know. Well, well uh, <laughs> Nas and Wu-Tang are coming to Toronto this summer. I heard. Okay, what's the deal? Like, it's a, they're doing like a, just like a double tour, right? I don't know, but let's drink some Trappist beer and check it out if you're around. I thought about going. I thought about it. There's a bunch of stuff. Toronto's going to be popping this summer. Guys, my my battery is going to uh, cut out at any minute. Okay, should we wrap it up here? And we, I know yeah, we you, have one. You guys more, can but, keep going. Yeah, but uh, I, I will have to take off. Okay, um, let's take the uh, screenshot now then because I do a screenshot for the uh, thumbnail. So I'm going to hold up the, the stuff that we're drinking and um, let me grab a couple and we'll do a little screenshot now and then uh, Justin and I will wrap this one up. There we go. You, you want me to... Uh, you can hold up the, the glass, you can hold up the cans and stuff, whatever you feel like, whatever tickles you pick. There we go. Uh, yeah. uh, other way, other way, towards your head, towards your head, towards your head. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
There we go. I'm horrible at this, apparently. All right, let's see how we go there. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. It's, it's what beautiful. was I doing? Um, <laughs> Zach, bro, oh, Justin, if you're cool to stick around, we'll wrap it up. Um, but Zach, uh, thank sure. you, bro. I appreciate you. Um, great to see you again, man. I'm going to come see you next time we're in town. Thank you for uh, for your insights and for all of this and for all that you're doing for uh, the Toronto home brewing scene and now for all the drinkers with the you know the bottle shop keeping them fed and making sure everything's fire, man. I appreciate you. I think it's uh, I think it's really important work that you're doing, man. So much love, much respect. You're a legend. A hundred percent. Thank you very much for having us and uh, yeah. grateful to have these beers with you. Likewise. Um, let's do it again soon and catch up over some Wu-Tang and Travis beer. Please. That would be a, a, an honor. Let's do it. <laughs> Cheers, brother. All right, my G. Nice. Have a great night. night. Cheers. Cheers, bro. Have a good one. You too. Catalina. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's necking it. He's necking it. Oh, you are going to have a sleep tonight. <laughs> Peace, fam. Have a good one. Have a good one, brother. See you. You got him? Beauty. Nice, All right. How you feel yeah. about the... Uh... Now, this is how we reconnected, by the way. So we I, like, we had each other on Facebook forever. Absolutely had met at some shape or form in, back in the day because you were DJing the parties that my friends are also DJing, Chasta Jayla, and we were attending every week. When did the, when did the beard start? Like, when did you grow the beard? Because I feel oh, like that, maybe that was, that was a different... That was a different time. I left Toronto. Yeah. In, I moved to Montreal in July 2012. That's why it's almost 10 years. And yeah. I started growing a beard. I started growing... Do you know what I did? I grew my hair. Because I used to shave my head. just like, like a fucking zero. Mm. I started growing it at the end of 2014. So my guess is the beard grew along with the hair. Okay. I think that's so that that might be that might be the the recognizing factor. Yeah, because yeah, I look I very had different. A crazy back. memory for faces, but hmm. Because then, right. at the same token, we oh, hip hop and breakfast—that's what we talked about too, right? So, I, yeah, I I never ended up going to that. I knew Justin and and, and Derek. Chanel and Derek. and Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, was going through a breakup at the time. So and, uh, yeah, there was all these consecutive I was, events. I was pretty, I was pretty certain she was there every Sunday, <laughs> so I was not. Making sense. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Either way, though, we yeah. have like, a, a, like basically, I thought you worked at my old workplace because you have like well, most of our mutual friends were all my old colleagues from uh, from That's that hilarious. job, which yeah. is very very funny. Um, so we reconnected recently because of Chinwag when we were talking about barley wines. Is that correct? That's why, right? That's, that's you correct. you knew I was yeah. curious. So I thought, I saw today, funnily enough, on my Facebook memories, I was drinking my second barley wine, which was the uh, um, Brooklyn Brewery. I think it was called something Monster or something. And it was like a 10% some shit. And I was like, yeah, it's not. This is back before I even poured beers in glasses. I was drinking it from the bottle like a real new, <laughs> real super new. And I saw that today and I was like, oh, that's funny. So I'd stopped yeah. liking um, 
barley wines, I guess. And then recently, it's in literally the last few months, I started on my Wednesday, which is supposed to be my non-drinking night where I'm drinking 10% uh, Imperial Stouts or now (laughs) trying to sprinkle in some barley wines. As you do. As you do, everyone gives me shit about it because they're like, yeah, cool, the night off beer, you're going to have fucking 10, 11% beers, you idiot. But I'm like, well, it's either not drink or you drink that at the end of the night and it's... It's still, I'm doing mental right. gymnastics to justify it. So it's okay. Yeah. You know, so you mentioned that Short Finger Brewery, who I believe are in, fuck, I forgot. Kitchener. There you go. They're in Kitchener. Okay. And they had a fire yeah. barley wine that you were like, you're going to need this one. I, yeah. I, I had it last year. And as someone as well that never gravitates towards barley wines, uh, specifically, and I've realized this only in the last year, American barley wines are just not my jam. Um, and, and what's the difference but, uh, between American and English? I think American are more hoppy and bitter. Is that correct? Hoppy, bitter, and the type of crystal malt they use. Uh, so American crystal malt has a different flavor. Uh, there tends to be more of a depth of flavor in British crystal malts. Gotcha. Um, and you can actually, when you come in next, you can pick up a oh, bag yeah. of each of those and in your hand what? and look at them. And it's like the American ones are all one color. The British ones are like a gradient mm. of colors. Okay. Um, and And it does make a difference. Like just the actual barley itself the way they're kilns, the way the way they're dried, everything. Okay. Um, most British malts, I believe, are floor malted as well, which you really only ever hear about uh, with like the German the Czech, or the German or Czech stuff. The Czech or German, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and this so, is yeah. a an English style. English style. English style. Okay. Um, and direct from uh, Rob at Shortfinger's mouth. Uh, it has been rested on backyard or rather tobacco that happens to grow in his backyard. <laughs> shit. Okay. That's very interesting. That means there's no nicotine. So tobacco in it, leaves. A, it's not nicotine, but it's a flavor profile that would come from the plant. Cause I imagine uh, nicotine could not travel from being rested on tobacco. Leaves. I believe that is correct. And that is a similar answer to, as to what he gave me. <laughs> it's the same as if you just like put some yeah. weed leaves or bud, you let it sit on bud, the THC exactly. transfer. It's just the yep. other stuff. Okay. Perfect. I um, believe the leaves, I believe the leaves were dried first and then it was aged on those. So left to, to round out the edges. Yeah. That's kind of fascinating. No. Yeah. I love it. Do you want to, I, do you have it handy? Do you want I have to, yeah, I have to grab it from uh, back outside where I was. I was actually in my garage earlier, okay, so I apologize me. for the ah, okay. the reception. Don't even sweat it. Go but, grab uh, that, and then we'll swap because I'll go get it after you come back, and I'll I'll be able to hear you while I go grab it to talk about. It. So take okay. your time. Sounds good. Yeah, beautiful. So barley wine time. Yeah, I need to go to the washroom. So yes. <laughs> I'm going to go to the washroom because I wasn't sure how long the pod would go for, but we're here. And, uh, you know, we've been crushing beers tonight. Yo, this has been really fantastic, guys. I can't even express it how impressed I am with the uh, – Tiff, you should try this. 
This is the uh, the Belgian Trappist, or Belgian Double. I'm really, really impressed with this, guys. I think it's really interesting to see what uh, Torto Brewing is, uh, have been doing with this type of thing, right? It's just so smooth. Yeah, it's just always loved it. I've been a, a bit of a fronter. I fronted heavily as uh, Tiffany confirmed my fronting. But this, to me personally, it's like I'm enjoying this so much. And I, I think it's maybe more my open mind towards, uh, you know, I had the very open mind at the beginning. It's one of those things where the more you drink, the sort of more you're like, oh, now I know what I like. And then over the last you know, six to 12 months, I feel like maybe I've started to reopen that back up to be like, okay, well, this is interesting now and, and whatever, whatever. So, you know, I'm still getting that sort of um, frost on the top there, which means it's still pretty cold. I'm not going to light the fridge. I put it in a bit on the nippy side. Jesus, I'm burping a lot. But, uh, yo, it's fantastic. So I'm looking forward to, to sort of wrapping that up afterwards. And it's a good thing now is that the, the last two beers here are something that can sort of sit. Like I finished the first two, so this one and now the uh, – the barley wine would be something that we can crush. I don't know if I've had a barley wine on the pod. Bless you. Maybe ever. Maybe ever. Don't even know. Uh, in case people were wondering, I'm drinking this pink shit, which is actually a raspberry lemon bellwood sparkling water. So I thought it was kind of weird because it's not just regular colored water. And I was like, am I like, am I drinking like lemonade or something to quench my, uh, cleanse, sorry, my palate. Um, but no, this is, this is really fascinating. It's really cool to see the way that Toronto Brewing are set, you know, uh, targeting their customers specifically, knowing that, they, look at that, I got the stand goal on my phone while, on my watch while I'm sitting down. Love it, love it. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Ooh, Trader Joe's recall. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, but it's really cool just to see the way that, that it works. It's a completely different situation to, to anything else I've really heard about before. Um, so it makes me, you know, makes me happy to sort of learn that this is how things can go. Uncle Justin is back. He got it. <laughs> he went on the track. Running a marathon. Right? Mate, don't worry about it. All right, so I'm going to swap you. So what I'll get you to do, so I don't want to leave yep. you alone for long. I'll be gone like 30 seconds. Um, do you want to start? I'll pull this out so I can hear you whilst I'm gone. To start explaining, just hold the can up and show them, uh, show them what this one's all about. Sounds good. Might, might be the first barley one we've ever had on the podcast that I can recall. Really? Or at least in quite some time because we just don't, I don't know, people don't send them. They don't want to showcase them. It's, you know. Oh, show it off. All right. They're not that come. Here we go. Tell us the, uh, wow. The little bit of delay on my camera is really messing with me. Uh, so it's called Hack. Uh, so it's an English-style barley wine by Shortfinger out of uh, Kitchener, Ontario. Uh, so it's aged in Ontario, grown tobacco leaves. Um as I was saying, like definitely generally not a huge fan of barley wines period. Uh, but this one last year was recommended to me. And, uh, this year when it was released, I knew I had to have it, um, and needed to share it with, uh, Craig here. Um, but basically it 
drinks almost like an imperial stout, but replacing a lot of the chocolate notes with caramel. Um, the last, I've had two of the cans since we got it in, um, but I had them a little bit cold and let them warm up. Uh, this particular one I actually took out of my fridge an hour ago and it was outside in my open garage. So it's like, it's room temperature for sure. And then some, but I wanted to see how it like opened up to like its furthest extent. Um, and it's, it's doing it justice. Yeah, I'm getting things that I've never got off this before. <laughs> yeah, because if because you've had it sitting there in the uh, yeah in the garage, there. come on, there we go. So it's called Hack. Nice. I've never actually had a beer from Shortfinger. I've heard of them a bunch. I believe they're also like aren't they like a homebrew uh, store? That yeah, I kind of left that part of. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, Rob. Rob's the best. Rob is an awesome, awesome dude. So they're uh, they are a homebrew shop. They actually had. To, uh, well, they waited for everything to come through, and uh, then got the brewery going. But it was one of the goals. Um, so okay. it's, uh, yeah. Rob, my, my wife likes to call Rob my spirit animal. Like if I, cause he does all of this awesome mixed fermentation stuff that we're all over. Okay. And, uh, the clean stuff, like I don't delve into all that often and we can't bring it into the shop all that often. Right. Right. But this is one that he actually brought to my attention. Maybe cause he remembers me like talking his ear off about it last year, but um yeah okay it looks uh <laughs> very similar to the belgian double actually nice little uh head sorry we do the photos as, as we're going you know the vibe's very important nice and this is 10 yeah. percent. i gotta do the fake smile this is 10 percent okay fake smile is yeah. everything no fake laugh is the secret to a good photo yeah. that looks you're, like you're smiling you, your mouth was closed for that one, though, so I don't know. What's well, okay? Did it really well, happen? That's a great question, but it's okay because that was just for the, <laughs> that's just for Instagram. Wait till I do the, the thing. Okay, smells great, brother. Cheers, man. Cheers. Okay, so ten percent. Jeez, this is nice. Really smooth. Did you? Um, did you have it in the fridge? I did, yes. I did or not did take you, it out. Take it out. Yeah. So what I imagine, this was kind of what I was saying before. Oh, man. Um, I did, uh, I was saying to, to Zach, I think it was when you were going to get the, the last one there, that the um, I did a podcast one time where the brewer asked me to, yep. or just said that it was better to leave all the stuff outside, like just leave it on the table here, because that's how it was supposed to be drank. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't enjoy the experience. I like to have it so that it's changing temperature because then like even with this one here with the the double, I'm still getting the frost on the side of the glass there. Yeah. So when I come back to that after the pod, like it's going to be a different beer most likely and what I'm expecting is it'll be the same for the 
for the barley wine here. Just to be a whole different, for sure. yeah, whole different experience. So this bad boy, 10%, and like you said, it is actually, it's a barley wine aged on Ontario grown tobacco leaves. Did he say what the point of that was? I think initially it was an experiment that he might have done on a small scale uh-huh. uh, since they are just, they grow naturally on his property. Right. Um, but he just, he just went for it. Okay. Um, and I, yeah, I really dig it. It's like when it's cold, I find it comes off as a bit vanillin, a little bit honey, mm-hmm. like the tobacco leaf portion. And, um, almost, like the aroma of freshly rolled cigars with how warm I'm drinking it right now. I actually get smoke, which is again, nothing I gravitate towards ever, but it's really nice because it's a very smooth. Hmm. Freshly rolled cigars. eh? That's an interesting, uh, I, I remember being at the, the c and as a kid, like in high school, being at the, the X in Toronto. And like, I couldn't believe they were doing this, but in the, trying to think of what it's called, it's changed names so many times, but it's like the big convention center at one end. It's a newer building, looks really modern. Yeah. They uh, had this international village set up and they had a Cuban expo. And there was a person there running or rolling uh, honey-dipped cigars. They would roll them and just, yeah, and just give them to you. And I was in high school. (laughs) They shouldn't have been doing it. But the smell even, like it was so aromatic. And it was just, you know, honey-dipped cigars. Interesting. And it like, oddly enough, brings me back to... Hmm. To that, I feel when that was around that, the time that go. I feel like I'm getting a honey or molasses vibes from this, though. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely molasses, uh, definitely caramel. Yeah. Uh, when you were off camera, I was talking about how it reminds me, especially when it's colder. It, it at least the first two times when it's warmer, it's a little bit different. But it reminded me of like an imperial stout, but swap out all of that chocolate for caramel, caramel and everything that's associated with the caramel. Yes. So the That's how it was it. sold to me. That's how Bali wine was sold. I was like, think of why you love my, my friend Noah from Beerism here in Quebec. He was like, mm. why do you love Imperial Stouts? And yes, yeah, that big chocolate is like thick and sticky and like, you know, it's really well round. He's like, all right, so all of that, so just swap out the chocolate for caramel and a little bit nutty. Yeah. And that's a Bali wine. I was yeah. like, all right, that sounds fun. And uh, that's basically what it's been. This is like a really, really fantastic example of the style. Like, this is fucking fire. Yeah. Um, and it's hilarious because Rob just, like, pulls these styles out, and it's not, it's not something he regularly does. He, like, maybe does one. Well, he does this once a year. Um 
as far as I know, before he started Shortfinger, he was at Indie Ale House. Okay. Um, that? With uh, Jeff Broder at that point. And I think possibly Spinny from Merit had okay. like passed through around the same time. Um, those were all like the kind of the start of the new era, like the head brewers from all the different breweries. Um, they all kind of cross paths around that time. So I don't even know how much he would have been doing in this range, like at indie. Like, no, they wouldn't really. They didn't. That. They did American, uh, like double IPAs, like Cock Puncher, which they just came back with again. But yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's awesome that he pulls something like this out, and it's just like two years in a row, just great killing it is um, this the specific year one do they have them like separated by year for this he doesn't really? do that um i think he's not a closet nerd i think he is a nerd in general he calls it the darkest timeline uh the darkest timeline is all of the beers that have a label like this we have another okay. one at the shop right now which is an imperial stout uh called smalls Okay. Uh, similar label, but it's uh, an imperial stout, like s'mores stout. Uh, um, really, it tastes like chocolate, marshmallow. There's not a lot of graham cracker going on, but it's delicious too. Uh, the one to catch every year, though, and I cannot remember what it's called, is uh, a mint chocolate chip imperial stout. Interesting. And I miss like he offered it to me, and I like I didn't have space in the fridge or something at that point, or thought it was like a little bit like, I love chocolate mint. Like I'm super, super into it. But the other three, four people I work with don't. And it's very, it's very weird. <laughs> it's a weird, it so is I a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. I love it. Like after eights, I get them every Christmas Especially yeah. white chocolate, white chocolate and and candy cane is like my money, my jam. Anyways, I threw too many of them off around Christmas with bringing in like one or two that were along those lines. So I was like, okay, I need to not order that one for Rob. But uh, that one is one to catch next year if you can if you can get down with that. It's not. It's so balanced when he's done it that. Yeah. Like I said, my wife calls him my spirit animal. <laughs> I shouldn't be saying that so many times. Like, if no, he sees I, this, it's going to be weird. No, he'll, <laughs> he'll understand. He knows what's going on. Okay, now this is dope, man. Like, it's very cool. Like I said, we don't really do – I feel like this is what you – know, you, you've really curated like a real nice – like, uh, you know, a couple of really incredible collabs that are more on the modern style. Uh, and then you know something a little bit more traditional in the in the double, and then now the uh, the barley wine. That um, mm-hmm. like I said, we don't do either of these two styles too much on here, so it's extra interesting yeah. to me to sort of hear about it to see sort of how it fits. How does barley wine sell overall? Like, is that something that people? Because uh, I always feel like I always uh, a lot of me in the conversations that I have with other uh, you know people in my you know beard creators, bloggers, writers, whatever. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot, and um, it seems like in Ontario, this like something like barley wine is less um, available than say here in Quebec. 
there's definitely less producers that do it and and it's very very seasonal he actually came out with this beer i don't know if it has a canning date on it but it wasn't even that long ago it was the last in the series um of the yeah of the darkest timeline um so yeah they're they're not that available and when they are, they're kind of few and far between, you know, uh, like, reverence and third moon. Just, oh, they, yeah, they did. The there's diehards. There's diehards. Right. Yeah. So finisher, but reverence just released three more, okay. uh, that were, I, I think they're all three of them are technically a collab with third moon, um, kind of in line with the anniversary as well, but, kind of went under the radar. We didn't get them in, um, but there are three different barrel types. So there's a sherry, a bourbon, and a wine, I think. Um, So we didn't get them in. Uh, Again, like barley wines, they they don't sell like crazy. That being said, I feel pretty passionately about this, and it says a lot about when beers are like behind us, behind the counter – and someone's looking for things, you know, like if we recommend something and we can stand behind it and we can explain it well, um, you know, it, it helps everyone. It helps people like try something they might not have otherwise. Mm. Um, and it's awesome when they come back the next week and they're like, I had that. I wouldn't have bought it, but I did. And it was awesome. And like, what can you, what can you tell me about this week? Right. And like, I gave you kind of a, you know, a percentile of, of where we sit homebrewers to not. And the longer we're open, the more we have those people that, you know, didn't realize we had a bottle shop, even though it says bottle shop above us, they either don't realize we have a bottle shop or they come in and say like, do you make your own beer? And it's like, no, we're not a brewery. <laughs> That's down the street. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like that number is skewing as people kind of start to realize that, yeah, we're not a brewery, but they can come in and have a similar experience, yeah. but we're pulling from everyone else's expertise at the same time. Like, you know, we're showing them an experience unto it, unto itself. Um, yeah. And I think that's, yeah. And beyond best of the province. And then having that Belgian specialty. So if someone shows interest in that area, we have Ontario examples and we have Belgian examples, which is amazing. No, and they can compare and contrast too. Like, um, I, (laughs) I have like a draft created for this Belgian six pack that, is a mix of like Ontario examples with Belgian examples of the same styles and how they compare. But then we keep on like selling out of one of them so that I have to rewrite the whole, it's backend software stuff. But, um, so it keeps on getting shuffled, but I've been doing that for loggers, uh, like creating six packs showing that loggers are like, there's differences between them. They're not just all like golden 
like flavorless beers. Like you can have like either minor or major differences. The earlier version we did of that were like everything from like a Munich Dunkel down to, I think it was like a Czech lager. So yeah, just like spanning the entire gamut. Right. And just giving um, people like an easy way to yeah. test a bit of everything and just be like, Hey, when for you sure. Curated this six pack. I trust you. I already yeah. shop here. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, then yeah. they would come back the next week and buy like maybe the Dunkel wasn't for them. It was like too malty or whatever, but they enjoyed it. I told them to drink that one last, like before you go to bed. Right. Um, but they come back the next week and get like the two others that were like maybe a little bit lighter or like the Vienna lager because they like the malt profile. Mm. And all of a sudden they realize, shit, I like malt. <laughs> I never knew what I liked. I like malt or shit. Like hops do not have to be bitter. Mm. <laughs> like all of these things. Breath. I don't like hoppy beers. Right. Well, this like, one tastes like, overripe pineapple like it doesn't taste like bitter bitter hops so that's right so this education a lot of education that yeah yeah you sort of doing for the for sure. average which i think is super key because yeah. if there's people who if you're explaining that that means you're getting people in the store who aren't you know super like maybe like us where they just yep. you know hella be a nerds or whatever but you're educating maybe people who are in that gateway phase mm-hmm. where they're you know they're into craft beer they're trying to figure sure. out what they like i think that's a, a an essential service for the growth yep. of craft beer <laughs> moving forward i know well it's even reason. it's even even home brewers though like even home brewers not knowing the style like they they know what they like or are they you know, they've heard the word Pilsner and they've made a whole bunch or try to with Brewer's Best Kits or Cooper's Kits or whatever. But they, you know, they want to fully kind of grasp what they are looking for. And yeah. we can kind of offer them something that fits that style. Which is um, perfect. Yeah. Both to make it and to drink uh, it. It's just like, yeah, you guys really just have like such a sick model, dude. Like it's uh, it's very, very cool what you guys are, are doing. I hope that – are you planning to maybe uh, – that was kind of was going to ask you both. But are you <laughs> – being that the lease goes to the end of the year, like I don't know if you can speak on it. Were you trying to see if you're able to keep this spot? And if you're not able to keep this spot, were you like, all right, cool, let's find another spot for the bottle shop? Uh. I don't know how much, but, um, yeah, there's been, there's been discussions. Um, I'm definitely interested in keeping the bottle shop going to some degree, uh, whether it's in that location or else chances are not. Uh, but I live in Hamilton. So, uh, yeah, that's also mm-hmm. been, been talked about. Okay. So that's a beautiful um, thing. The hammer's only 45 to an hour away. Like it's pretty cruisy, you know, close by. Yeah. We have customers from all over Ontario that drive in on a regular basis, be it like an afternoon or a weekend. Like I have people come in from, 
I've had people come in from like Owen Sound, which is like three and a half plus hours north in the winter to like come in and buy things. So, and we ship around the province anyway. So like as long as that model can continue, like the shipping model, um, yeah, it's, it's, we'll see. We'll see. Everything okay. like literally, literally nothing is uh, like locked in carved in stone, or even yeah. or, or even beyond initial discussion phases. To be honest, no, that's fair. Um, it's 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 you know it's only May, so you know you've got seven yeah. full months to see where sure. it can take you, what you guys were able to yeah. do. But um, Matt, I think this is great. I feel like we really got a nice, um, you know understanding of of what you guys do and once again i was super stoked to chat one because i had history with both you guys separately which is super funny and fantastic coincidence um but also like i said i'm i'm genuinely like enamored with the whole concept of the independent bottle shop in ontario i think it's the most amazing Mm -hmm. thing that's ever happened like i said i don't understand why people aren't like losing their shit more maybe they are but i just don't see the talk about it maybe i'm disconnected a bit over here it's it's funny i i almost feel a little disconnected like duran bottle shop you mentioned earlier maybe not by name but but that's you know, they're a great a great shop um yeah like even even myself i feel a little bit disconnected because like i see their posts and i see their their beer coming out and I support it and I like those posts, but you know, I wish they would kind of tell me more. And so I've kind of made that my mission and not to talk poorly about them at all. They're, they're doing amazing things and they're, they're curating amazing, amazing selections. But um, even in like our social media, I try and present that, uh, like give a little bit of tasting notes and it probably takes more time than Zach wants me to take doing it. But, um, different crowd. I mean, if you compare it to other bottle I, shops, like you guys have a different crowd. So that we crowd have a different crowd to, for sure. That, you know, for sure. Like, it seems like for a sure. very specific crowd in, in that they might want to know those tasting notes. Whereas someone like Duran, Chris has, has curated that, um, lineup if you know, you know, like you're not really going to walk in there. Like they, well, I'm sure they were sure. a bunch of people who'd walk in there I, and not know what's up. It's amazing how many people walk in there considering like where that spot is. Like if you came from out of town, like you did, it doesn't look like a big, like walking traffic area. It's in the middle of a residential neighborhood and across from a church. Yeah. You've, but, it's uh, total like destination. And I've been there before, long before they were a bottle shop. And that's why I knew where they yeah, were. Yeah. And uh, right, I did, yeah. but I didn't know they were a bottle shop. But that's kind of what I was getting that early is that they've catered sure. to a specific audience who wants that stuff, yep. who doesn't need to be taught about that stuff. You're like, oh, true. The yeah, breweries yeah. that they stock and the beers that they stock, and then you know the way they curate it. Yep. That's what they do. And I'm like, okay, cool. For that's sure. What they're into. You guys have a different yep. crowd that probably would like those tasting notes because they are interested in the ingredients behind it, whereas the people who go to Duran are more like, That's true. I want that new Third Moon, I want that new Badlands, I want that Sun and Hill, I want that blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Um, it's a very different That's, situation. Yeah. 
that's part of why there was a little bit of a deviation as well between the the main Toronto Brewing account, uh, which was predominantly about brewing, and the Toronto Brewing underscore BTL, which was my creation when I when I started on. I was like, mm. we have these customers that you know they they're not going to start brewing. It's just it's not in their DNA. We can talk to them about it, but we can't expect them to pick up this hobby. So we need to cater to to people and educate them at the same time, uh, which is all part of our MO. Um, But just even creating an account that is more focused on what their interests, why they came to us to begin with, why they're following us. So... um, still try and tie everything into our main prerogative, which is like the love of beer yeah, and everything that is behind that. But also just giving them a little bit more of what they want and a little bit more of just letting them know like what's new, new, why you should like this and why you should come see us. And that makes sense. For really? I think that's like, you know, and that's the point is that you differentiate it by doing that. Some stores might need to, some might not, some breweries might need to, some might yeah. not. And it's cool that you figured that that's how your I, customers I, like that communication. Again, again, like utmost respect to those places. Oh no, um, I don't think anyone would take do. anything. What okay. you, it was more pointing <laughs> out the differences as opposed to saying yeah. one's good or one's bad. It's not, there's no, uh, you know, measuring what's better. Mm-hmm. It's more just like the approach works for the, Chris doesn't need to go sure. and explain every hop that's in all these new third moon beers and stuff. We don't give a <laughs> shit. It's third moon, it's Badlands, it's whatever. They're going to buy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with you guys, yeah, you are catering towards a different crowd that want to know that because they're going to want to buy that beer, but they're going to want to buy the malt that's associated with yeah. it. They're going to want to buy those hops. They're going to want to buy those yeah. hops, the yeast. Like it's a, For sure. it's a very different thing. And that's what I've learned today is that, uh, you know, you guys do have that very unique clientele and you're approaching it yeah. exactly as you should be for the type of business that you are. And it's a different, it's not completely different, but it's still, there's a, there's a very niche side to, to what you're doing. That's the that differentiates yeah. you guys from any of the other bottle shops. So I think that's, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's great. And the beautiful part, there's plenty of room for all of it. I think the, you know, the more bottle shops in the city that we have and the province, even beyond the city, um, the better, you know, the more we have in Hamilton, yeah. the better, you know, like it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's very cool and it's, it caters to everybody. And I think that's what craft beer needs is those different businesses that cater to the different, um, we, you know, the, the, the different, uh, clientele and that's, you know, yeah. that's, that's what we're here for, dude. And I, I appreciate it. This is great. This has been really educational. I feel like, uh, we've, we've cracked open a bunch of stuff that, uh, we normally wouldn't, and we've really got a bit more of a peek behind what it takes to run uh, you know, uh, indie bottle shop in uh, Ontario. It's, it's a beautiful thing, man. I'm glad we awesome. all uh, connected. Um, stick around after. We'll wrap this up. Stick around afterwards, and we'll, we'll finish up. But uh, where can everybody find Toronto Brewing and the bottle shop online? Yep. Uh, so torontobrewing.ca.com uh, works for the website. Uh, on Instagram, it's Toronto Brewing. 
uh, or Toronto Brewing underscore BTL, which is specifically for the bottle shop. We kind of tie the two together, but uh, keeps you a little more focused on that. Yes. And that's about and it. We do the shipping. I think we don't even, and we do the shipping. Shipping Just, anywhere uh, in Ontario? Place, place an order, and we'll ship it. Wherever you <laughs> might be, place an order. In Ontario. In Ontario. Or, you know, we're just in Ontario. You know, in Ontario. You know in Ontario. In Ontario. <laughs> um, legend. Thank you again, bro. I really appreciate you. This is this has been genuinely fantastic. Uh, I've enjoyed this. Episode 100, guys. So stick around. We'll, we'll finish up after. But, That's uh, crazy. Um, I appreciate I thought it would be perfect for this one. Um we didn't need to make a big deal about episode 100 for this series, but I thought it was perfect because this is something I'm very passionate about. And, uh, you know, since both you and I and Zach and I had I, a history, I was like, this is money. What's, what's crazy about this is moving to Hamilton five years ago and starting to brew not long after I discovered your podcast not long after that. So it's been like four years of listening to your podcast. Of like, but we. But I think I made a joke on uh, one of your posts for like whatever episode, being like, "You've kept me company on my ride from Hamilton to Toronto for I a long I, time." So I think I remember yeah. that. And look, that's I love that, and I liked even more that we knew each other back in the day too. But it's uh, you know, which I didn't. Yeah, at, I didn't at the time, even maybe put that together, put together until, until recently. Yeah, man, it's yeah. it's crazy shit. It's you know, there's lots of episodes now. It's been it's been cool. There's you know, we get to talk. To, I get to talk to very intelligent people. You know, so much more than me. You know, I just soak up the the game, and uh, you know, it's fun. It's, <laughs> it's a really cool thing, man. If we can keep these, I like capturing all the stories from everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, predominantly here, you know, between Quebec and Ontario is what we focus on. Obviously, beyond if if it happens, but mostly mostly here, and it's. Uh, it's great. I'm glad. If anyone appreciates it, that's it's a beautiful thing for me, man. This is uh, a ton of fun, and I appreciate you. But uh, everybody, thank you for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the flipping thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new new drops. Follow us on social media everywhere at BAOS Podcast. And check us out on the audio. Every Wednesday, we drop at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have... This episode, this episode will be dropping in uh, next Wednesday. We're recording it on a Friday, but we're going to have the link up series dropping alongside our uh, adjunct series this time instead of sort of stopping for a bit because why not give you all a little bit extra content? Um, guys, that is it. We appreciate you. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks again, Justin. Get in, you Thanks. guys. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Cheers.